tremendously bad. Oh, but you know it's not tremendously bad. Some of the games that came out in September. Some good games came out in September. Uh, games that we've uh, spent some time talking about already. Talk about them a bit more uh, to start it off is Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, a game we both played. Um, I so played a lot of this game. Uh, how many hours did I clock in this game? I clocked 68 hours. That's a good chunk of change. One more hour would have been nice. Get it? Nice. I think I got halfway through. This is a long game. Uh, so the thing that makes Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous so special. So Pathfinder, for those who don't know, is a Dungeons and Dragons uh, system. So Pathfinder is essentially like a different version. Yeah, of Dungeons rule set for Dungeons and Dragons. But it also should be noted that people love Pathfinder because it kind of simplifies Dungeons and Dragons in a lot of ways. Yeah. So this is the second Pathfinder game uh, released recently for PC. The other one was Pathfinder Kingmaker. Um, I didn't play that one, but I, I did play this one, obviously, and it is it, no relation to the other game. Uh, the setup for it is pretty interesting, but it's also something that you've probably seen before, which is a you are this wanderer who shows up in this town, and then uh, shortly after you enter, there is this giant demonic attack. Uh, the ground breaks open, demons start crawling out of it, and you know attacking people like there are uh there's this deity that has like always protected the uh city like this ancient dragon uh that is killed um so the world has kind of gone into ruin and your character uh becomes the chosen one and you are sort of tasked with uh solving this issue with saving the world or not saving the world because uh, this is, I think, a game that has uh, better choices and flexibility uh, than any game I've ever played of in this vein. Uh, not just in terms of the story, but also in terms of the character customization. Uh, the character build options in this game are absolutely insane. Uh, the most I've ever seen. Where you are choosing one of 25 classes, and within each of those classes is another like five subclasses. Uh, so I was able to create like a character that I felt was um, like truly unique and interesting. And the characters that I met around me uh, responded to my build specifically like my subclass uh, was a part of some of the decisions that I could make in this. Uh, but in addition to that, there are also like like 10 uniquely defined uh, story tracks. Uh, for the game where you essentially can lean into uh, maybe uh, they're called mythic paths. And it's essentially you are able to make like these extremely impactful story decisions of uh, my character aligns with the angels, with demons, which with uh, liches, uh, with like a trickster, with like a chaotic nature character called Nizada, with like the celestial other realmly uh powers of the Aeon or with like dragon kind. And then there's also this insane one, which is like the swarm that walks. Uh, I only played through this like once I didn't even get to the end. Like I played through halfway. Uh, so I didn't even get to see like how much the uh, mythic path changed things. But I do know that the decisions I was able to make with my mythic path uh, felt like it made a pretty powerful impact on the story on how the world reacted to me and on the characters uh, that I was able to work with. And 
I I also really love uh, the roster in this game and like discovering like their side stories. Like this is sort of like a, you know, like a Mass Effect or a Dragon Age where there are a host of characters. You can only bring some of them with you on missions. Uh, there are some that are going to align with your vision better than others. Uh, there are some that are going to be at odds with each other where you won't be able to bring both of them. Or if you do bring both of them, uh, there are going to be like some tough decisions to make. And there are some cases where uh, you might bring a character with you on a mission and then uh, they're going to say things like, oh, you know, you, you shouldn't do this. Uh, you shouldn't kill this person. We should try to do this instead. Um, or where like maybe you need to extract information from someone, but, you know, you don't want to torture people. So how are you going to get it? Um, and, and I just think that this uh, particular game is just the best at what it does. Like, I think that this is a game that the choices feel like they matter. The combat is interesting. And this is like the, the best, way, the best way I think of it is like, this is the most successful at feeling like you really are playing a D&D campaign. It feels like a lot of games try to do that and they do that in like more basic ways where they're just hiding the choices from you or like they're hiding, they're making it feel like the choices matter, but they're kind of all ending up in the same path because it's too difficult to like, you know, make all your choices matter. And yet here is finally a game where it really does feel like it is like there is a really cool DM behind the scenes that is playing off of every decision you make and really tailoring the experience to you and really doing a like a successfully making it feel like, like all, all the, my decisions have a weight and it's getting, and they're getting called back like hours later and they all really matter. And that's really cool. Like, and it, and of course, like you said, like the, the, from the beginning, you make so many major choices with your character that like is always a factor in every aspect of the story. Every time characters meet you, they may talk about your race or like different things about you. And, um, and like, that's really cool. Yeah. I, the only thing that stopped me from playing this game is other releases, because I do think that this is a, uh, one of the best games of the year. You know, I think it's great. Absolutely. You, you remember, um, the, I think it was called until dawn. Yes. That is one of my favorite experiences. And that's what 12, 12 minutes almost reminds me of that, of like, I want more games to be like cheese fest, um, like story kind of like adventure things and like point and click where you're kind of like, you could, you could just play it like stream, a friend could just stream it and watch it and just, that was fun. I know. Yeah. Tales of Arise, Arise came out in September. I played 30 hours of this and um, this is a Tales ass JRPG ass game. Um, in a lot of ways that worked for me in a way that it hasn't in a very long time. And the reason why is because the combat a was phenomenal. I really love the combat. Like, uh, the combat is great. And actually this is like a game where you're just constantly unlocking new things. Um, every, uh, uh every time you like do a hundred of it, it'll show you, you know, like how many times you even like done. This is an active time for anyone who doesn't know yep. tales. Um, and it'll show you how many times you've ever done a certain spell or attack. Um, and if you've done like a hundred of it, you unlock a new spell or a new attack. And if you've done 500 of it, you unlock a new one or whatever, you power it up. So there's so much like, like the combat of it feels great and is very fun and fluid and actiony. And you can chain together all these things. And every character in the cast has their own kind of like gimmick. Um, the main characters is that like he can hurt himself to deal extra damage. Um, like deal more, like deal some damage to himself to deal more damage on his attacks. Very cool. Um, the 
narrative though and like and the aesthetic actually is like it is a game where it is one of the best looking games of this year is one of the best looking games of all time it is incredible it is like it reminds me of the way i used to feel with jrpgs where um you just kind of want to see the next area sometimes because like that becomes like a major uh point driving you through is like the combat is fun the areas are beautiful and they're all so unique and different and interesting um, where things fall apart is that it's a pretty poorly written story, and I don't know what I expect anymore from JRPGs. For for games that um, for games that like tout their story and are usually like you know 50, 60 hours long and about like this major path through with this like narrative and like this entire epic journey, um, JRPGs just like are so consistent at being paint by numbers. And this one, unfortunately, by the time that I got deep enough in it, by the time I was like 30 hours in it, I just started to feel like, wait, hold on, like nothing in narratively is interesting yet. And that was a kind of like a weird thing of like, I've been having kind of fun playing it and watching it and, and everything, but like nothing is fun, inter- is, is nothing is really that interesting narratively. And I would also say that the cast is very boring. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like depressingly boring. Um, and they're and they're even like written inconsistently and for the most part every character has like one thing that they want to talk about so like they're one of the cast's main characters like loves her brother and every time she opens her mouth she like relates this to being like my brother was very good at fishing he taught me how to fish or like you know like so it's very paint by numbers jrpg and then what killed me you know what stopped me completely playing was that um i a friend finished it um, he finished it at 50 hours and I, and he was like, yep, never does anything from that. You know exactly where this is going. It doesn't change. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. And, and I, when you told me that, that's what made me stop playing. Yeah. What is Unsighted? What is Unsighted? Unsighted is the game that you thought was the other game. So Unsighted, which is a game that is available on uh, Xbox Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you play it for free. Uh, this is uh, this podcast, Microsoft Game Pass. Uh, Give us the this is a pretty interesting game. It is like a Majora. It's not exactly like a Majora's Mask, uh, but it is a Zelda-like game with like chunky pixels, overhead style, dungeon delving, uh, where everybody is going to die. Uh, so everybody is a robot and everybody um, is running out of a power source. Uh, there is a finite amount of this power source left uh, that not only does everybody around you need, but also your character needs. And everybody, when you're talking to them, uh, you can see how much life force they have left. And these are characters like uh, the guy who sells weapons, the guy who sells potions, the character who helps you expand your uh, inventory. All of them are going to die, including like your uh, navigator, like your, your Navi equivalent. They're all going to die. And you need to decide um, where to allocate your resources. So you're trying to uh, push through these uh, dungeons. Um, the In real time, these things are ticking down. So there's a lot of considerations about um, how you spend your time because you might end up seeing like a puzzle in the overworld and or or like some sort of like gauntlet where whenever you die, it sends you to the beginning of the gauntlet. You have to like, think to yourself like, all right, is, is this worth it? Should I try to get through this gauntlet or am I wasting time? Should I be just like going and doing something easier? Should I just like mainline this so that I could get more of the, uh, 
the resource so that I could try to save people. If you give people enough of the resource, it doesn't guarantee their life. Uh, they're still going to die. You can only give them so much, um, but you prolong it enough. And uh, whenever you give someone this resource, you get something in return. So if you give someone, like if you give the weapons dealer uh, three of the, three of the, it's called Stardust, I think, something like that. If you give him three Stardust, uh, then he's going to give you uh, this extremely powerful weapon. Uh, so there are considerations to make, like, uh, do I just give him the three straight away, even though he's going to live pretty long as it is uh, to get that weapon? Or do I prolong somebody else's life, even though the reward they're going to give me might not be as immediately impactful? Um, the actual gameplay is pretty good. It's a, you know, it's one of these isometric um, Zelda-like games where you're dodging, parrying, attacking. It has a pretty uh, interesting suite of weapons. And then otherwise, it's straight up Zelda. You're going through different dungeons. You're getting uh, different items that are helping you traverse to the other dungeons. The music is great. The pixel, the the art is great. Um, and that f the time feature can be toggled off. So if you want to remove uh, the most unique feature of this game uh, because it stresses you out, that is something that they allow you to do. Splitgate. How about that? That is a wild game. I, that is a I, put this, add this to the list for me for 2021's 2022 game of the year. 2022, 2021. Unsighted. Unsighted. Um, not Splitgate. I will probably not play Splitgate. Splitgate is a known quantity. Splitgate is uh, Halo, but faster and with portals. Uh, what's the time to kill like? I forget that. Um, it's slower. It's it's like Halo. I think. I think it might be exactly Halo. All right. Um, it might actually. I, or it might be faster than like it might be faster than Halo. I, I I played this game last in September. It might be faster than Halo, but the characters, uh, you have so much maneuverability that it uh that it's hard it's harder to die in this game just because you can easily slip in and out of portals. This game is Halo with portals. Um, uh, that should say a lot a game... about someone who if they want to play that or not. If that if Halo with portals so... be be for you, then this be for you. I think that this game has more momentum than Halo. Like, I guess in more ways than one. Uh, definitely, that like physically, it has more momentum than Halo. Uh, you can there are portals set up in such a way that let you move like extremely quickly through these maps. The base move speed is slow, but the move speed that you can gain through momentum is very fast. Which essentially means that players who are better at the game and know the routing are going to move faster and do, they're going to lap you. Yeah, do portal mechanics where they're like portaling in one thing, falling, portaling out another way, using that momentum to port to move faster. You know, a lot of people said that this is a game um, that would live until Halo Infinite came out. Um, what's actually going to happen, put this down as a 2022 uh, prediction, Splitgate will succeed and halo will fail um, well fact, both of those are out both of those yeah. are out now and having played a little bit of halo i would maybe not argue with you uh but i think that halo content is going to come slow and i think that what's going to happen is i think that at the next major splitgate content release people are going to move over to that i think that there's going to be like an exodus where people were in the mood for a halo and then like halo came out and people are like oh yeah this game is not getting updates it's it's a cash grab like the the battle pass is very slow we don't like the way the game is being handled hey but there's this other halo like game 
I you think know, people are going to move to Splitgate, and I'm going to be so happy because Splitgate is so much better. You know, I played uh, Halo this year, and I found it to be intolerable. Uh, we're not at Halo yet, but I did not enjoy it. That's fair. Halo Infinite is more Halo, but I think that Splitgate is better, and because Splitgate reminds me a little bit of the momentum that you used to be able to get in Tribes, um, it's got some really good game modes. I really like their version of uh, Oddball, which is just like holding onto the ball for as long as you can. I think one of my favorite things about it is just like at the beginning of the match, just like you throw a portal under the ball and then like you throw a portal at yourself, the ball drops out of the ground and in front of you. And then you're just like bobbing and weaving through portals to like keep the Oddball, like capture the flag, really great in this game i have to say that splitgate has a thing where you have to teabag kill confirm or something i think it does and uh that's probably for me like to games are toxic enough on their own to like add a funny you know in quotes um way to be toxic that is like gameplay canonical is like no i don't need that i don't i don't super like that yeah, I mean, you get that in Valorant. With, I'm like, surprised the there's tea, not a... The the, teacups they should make a Halo like that, mode but... where, like, uh, when you kill someone, if you type the N-word in chat, um, then that's how they, like... That's how you get their, like, dog tags, you know? Just, like, yeah. lean into it. Go all the or way. Just, or put that in Valorant, because uh, we run into that in Valorant. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least as it's not a game mode. Yesterday. It's not a game mode, and that's the difference. It's just it's just an asshole. Yeah, being I mean, asshole. Valorant does have a, a tea spray, right? Have, I mean, they they I don't love it. I don't see sprays, but I don't love them. Well, you don't see them? You have them, like, hidden or whatever? No, I just don't see... I don't see people using them, really. Uh, the only spray oh. that is relevant is the air horn spray, because it sounds like that, something. That's a good spray. But you gotta add more uh, more of those, right? Deathloop came out in September, and that was one of the biggest launches of this year. That's from Arcane Studios. That's the um, Dishonored uh, Studios. Um, I like Dishonored. Uh, Immersive and- Sim. There's that There's that. Uh, that word again. That yeah. genre. Immersive um, sim. Wasn't that kind of dishonored that almost created that to some degree? As if Far Cry, I actually might have been the first like immersive sim, I suppose, or maybe like Deus a, Grand Theft Auto. Excuse me, Grand Theft Auto probably or Deus Ex. Um, well, that's a whole different thing. I feel like Deus Ex. I don't know. I'm, well, maybe Deus I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Sim. Okay, that's so maybe still. I'm wrong because I feel like okay, so these are more like emergent gameplay and less less emergent less immersive sim. And not very immersive, but very emergent gameplay. There's a lot of weird things that happen out of nowhere in, like, funny situations. Yeah, Deathloop. Deathloop is a game um, with an awesome premise. It is a, almost what you were saying, you were saying Majora's Mask for the other game, and it's kind of similar. There is a, um, you play a day in, that is looping constantly in this island, um, that you are aware that it's looping, that other people seem to, most other people seem to not be aware, um, it's supposed to be... Well, it's weird, right? Because uh, they are aware. They are aware that it's going to be a loop on the island and they're going to live multiple days, but they they are seemingly unaware that the loop They They is... don't realize that their consciousness is resetting with the... They, they might yeah. assume that they would get to like Live. wake up the next day and then like oh it's the di- it's the same day i'm repeating it over again yeah it's nope. a weird it's a weird thing you know i, I just just to mention quick because this is this is always stuck with me is that um there are 
you know, different, like there's these enemies and there's dialogue that happens that's like set up to happen. And there's one part in like the earlier part of the day where uh, you walk into this room and you can be like stealthing into this room and the character, the enemies are talking to each other. And one of the enemies made a mistake and there's visionaries, which I'll explain this concept. Uh, they, the visionaries, like the leaders, they're the bosses. Um, uh, that's talking to these enemies and the visionary says like you made a mistake so kill this person and then his friends who he's hanging out with are like oh we're gonna we're gonna kill you and then the guy's like seriously like you're gonna you're gonna kill me and like he's afraid and they're like don't worry dude like you'll know you'll you'll be alive tomorrow like i'm just gonna do what the, i don't want to do go against what the visionary says and they shoot him there and that happens every day so this person will never live like he'll yeah. never he'll never like in the in the morning of this day he is always shot and he never lives till the end of the day where they have this big party. Anyway, the way that this game actually plays is that you're always, like, reliving the same day. Um, in the beginning, you're even just, like, you lose everything when you go back in time. Um, but you're reliving the same day. Uh, you are... Uh, there is four times of a day. There's, like, a morning, afternoon, midday, and night, I believe. Something like that. Um, and there are, I believe, four areas, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, four areas, four times a day. Yeah, so there's 16 kind of different locales when you think about it. Because um, kind of the way it works is that, like, the the areas and the things you can do change at different intervals of the day. So every each one of the four areas is different depending on which time of day you're visiting it at. And yes. the main setup for it is you, you are coal and you want to break this time loop and get off this island. Um, and you will you can only do so by killing all of the visionaries that um, hold this island together. Uh, the visionaries are like again like there's these like bosses and leaders and there's whatever I think there's eight of them and they yeah. it, it it is physically impossible for you to kill them all um, in one day because you can only be at four different places. You can only you, there's four different times of day and each time of day you choose a different place to be at and the visionaries are all split up. And a lot of them are, like, in places where they're, like, locked down or, like, hard to get to. So the the way you actually are really playing this game is it's a very, like, it's almost like an Ocean's... The only way I can describe it is, like, an Ocean's Eleven kind of thing where you're trying to figure out the exact way to, in one single day, set it up so you can get as much of them together at once to, like, kill all of them in a singular loop. And uh, that you kind of play the game out by poking and prodding and reading a lot of documents as you do in arcane studios games um and trying to figure out how to manipulate these visionaries to get them all in the same spot to do one final like big heist to berg and um you know kill all the visionaries over the course of a singular day and it feels yeah. and that feels great the gameplay of it feels phenomenal there's a ton of like you know uh, the the uh you know visionaries drop these like rare you can go on hunts for rare guns there's like a you know, gun tier system of like finding guns and putting like weapon mods and upgrading things. And you can also, um, all the visionaries drop a magic power. Um, I found some of them to be more useful than others. Uh, there's a teleport as you have to have in an arcane studios game. Um, there is a one that I really loved is a tether that, um, explodes like a cloud that enemies can't see. And enemy, any, any enemies that are in the cloud share damage. So you can see like a big pack of enemies and throw like this, like, explosive kind of thing that tethers them all together and then while the enemies are still walking around and you know unknowing you can just shoot one of them in the head and then they all take like lethal headshot damage um this game has a great style and it's extremely fun and i thought like 
it's one of the best uh i i think i said at the time like and i i, I stand by that it's like one of the greatest stealth it's probably the second best stealth game of all time because the game has like stealth and action um and it does both of them very well and one of the coolest things is that because you know you're just going to repeat it again if you get caught there's no um there's no like pe big penalty to it and you don't usually feel that doesn't make you feel bad or stupid and by the end of this game you've run the areas so many times that like you feel like a god like you know exactly where you want to go you know where the enemies are set up at different times of day to the point where like I would just, like, teleport around, like, turn, headshot someone who I know is, like, a sniper, um, like, turn, headshot someone who's, like, on a patrol, like, like uh, headshot someone who I know is going to see the person on the patrol and raise an alarm, and, like, just basically, like, a time loop where you're Groundhog Day and you become, like, godlike and you're perfect. But there, um, it kind of is almost a, I wish I liked it more, and that mainly is due to how bad the ending is. Yeah, that it is, just doesn't stick the landing. It does not stick the landing. You know, every it's similar to almost similar to like a twelve it, minutes. It, it just ends like with very little like fanfare in a way, to, and also like and I think a few other places have mentioned this, but it's kind of a bummer that there's one way to do it. There's yes. like the one perfect day. Yeah, it, it, you are not. Um, you are not like yourself. I, I, I. There. This is a good and bad thing. Um, this is like. Like, for a popcorn fun game, which is what I kind of wanted yeah. at this time. Um, One Perfect Day is actually the name of the achievement when you beat the game. Uh, like, for, for like, a fun game like this, uh, I kind of appreciate, like, this isn't the kind of game where you're going to be, like, writing down all this stuff and saying, like, okay, this guy is going to be at the here at this time, and if I manipulate him, he can come to a different spot, and, like, you set up the perfect thing. Everything, you are super railroaded. The game gives you, like, you're never going to struggle to find what you're supposed to do next because the game will literally give you, like, leads, and it'll say, like, oh, I should check out what's happening over at this area at this time of day and the game like tells you these kind of things and then the game even tells you when you have everything ready the game shows you on like this little timeline um like like you it'll tell you like oh you've done everything related to this visionary and and this is exactly how you're supposed to kill the visionary so even though there are multiple ways to like do it it ends up being railroading you into like this is how you do the perfect run and uh you must complete it in this way so yeah, like that 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 kind of ends up being a problem. And I would say that like there is nothing kind of interesting about the ending. There's no real like interesting narrative element to it. It kind of is a binary thing of like you wanted to stop the time loop and now you did it. And like that was kind of it ends on that and like there's so many questions I would have had to be like what will happen to the main character and another character that he's related to? What would happen to the time loop? Um, what happens to the other people on the island? Like, what is going to go on? Like, and then there's also all this stuff that has been in the past where, like, the main character got away from the island, then he went back, and the, and there's this other character taunting you that is like, no matter what, you always decide to not end the loop because you love to do this. Like, you, you enjoy, you know, you know, living this day over and fighting these visionaries. Like, and they never explain these kind of things. So, like, I, I feel like the game has very little payoff, and it is like almost similar to 12 uh, it, it is a phenomenal I if game we get more in this universe or what that would even look like yeah it is a like like every second that i played this game i was loving the hell out of it and when it finished it was just like erased from my mind it was like when i was thinking about like a top five deliberation <laughs> or game of the year stuff like death loop was so far from my mind that it was like i, I didn't consider it and i enjoy i love the hell out of it i beat it i i enjoyed it there's, an, there's like, I think multiple endings, and they all basically are the exact same thing anyway. 
Um, so that's Deathloop. I played Eastward, and I want to continue playing Eastward. Um, but uh, this was a dark Is it fun. This was a darker time in my life coming into September, um, and uh, it is is a gorgeous pixel art uh, game. It is very Earthbound inspired with quirky characters. Um, the setup is kind of like you uh, like you play as two characters. There's a uh, you play as like two different characters you can switch between that have their own powers. So puzzles are like between switching them. And it's very, it's kind of like Zelda. It's it's like, it plays like a Zelda, but has earthbound quirk um, and is so unbelievably good looking. And like, I do recommend this game to many people, despite having not finished it myself. Um, it is just like a joy to watch and play a lot of times. And it's so cute and well-written, but like it starts out with, this old um, miner, John, miner, like he's a, he's not a, he's an old miner. He's like a coal miner kind of thing. He's very young. He's an old, he's an old at heart, but he's a miner. Um, and he, uh, he has this adopted daughter, um, whom I forget the name of. And uh, she has like magic powers and she comes from the surface, but you're living in this underground city and you're being told that the surface is uninhabitable and that it would kill you to walk outside and that this is you are the last remaining like remaining vestiges of humanity and mm-hmm. that is not true so kind of a little bit of a kimmy schmidt right there um but yeah. but um it turns out that it's not true and then you start kind of doing this um uh you know narrative um straightforward uh linear adventure um that ha- that plays kind of actiony and like zelda and you're getting new equipment and the characters are quirky as hell and written really well and super adorable i don't say quirky in like a new girl way i mean it in like a again earthbound like a cute way what's wrong with new girl they got too much quirk there's a dial and you can turn the quirk up too much all right um so that's kind of all i want to say about eastward and what related did you know they're doing a death store speed run on agdq right now oh dang i knew that agq was gonna go on this i i always think about keep thinking about it until the day that it happens and then that and then it comes out of nowhere even though like already missed some good runs i know this 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 one looked like a pretty stacked adgq yeah it started off with like neo uh diddy's conquest death loop they did axiom verge 2 some good ones oh my god axiom verge 2 came out this year Uh uh-oh uh-oh i uninstalled it after i beat it it came out that's okay i must have forgotten about it because it wasn't as interesting as the first one you know what's a really interesting game um hold on let me guess uh metroid dread Yes, but not for all the good, not for some of the reasons. Metroid Dread is um, the game everybody is wrong about. Yes. Because people think it's good. It's not. It, you know, that's not fair. Uh, I think it, when, you're, when your opinion was cooler on this, um, Metroid Dread is like a total 7 out of 10. It is, every time, and my experience with it would be like, I would start playing it and be like, damn, how, why did I even put this down? Like, I'm getting a new a, a new pickup, a new equipment thing. This is great. Samus is so fun to control sometimes. Um, she moves around really fast and like the, you know, the game kind of looks okay and I'm loving these upgrades and like, oh, I just got a new thing. I, I can't wait to like explore this. And at over the course of like an hour or two, I would just start getting more and more frustrated with it. And then stop playing it, put it down, go do something else. And then just thinking like, damn, I want to play some more Metroid Dread. Why did I even put it down? It's like, it's dope. It's like, it, it looks and plays so good. I want to, I wonder what next, what the next equipment thing I'm going to get is. Um, but Metroid Dread is serviceable, ultimately. It's another one of those Metroid games. I'll tell you that. But that can sometimes be great. Another one of those Metroid games can be phenomenal and very exciting. 
And yet Metroid Dread is not always that. Um, the, to explain like where my problems and where your problems with Metroid Dread uh, come about, number one, Metroid Dread is bonkers, obnoxiously linear. Um, there's there's this, it's kind of, there's a fascinating. I got to look up the video. I was talking about it at the time. There's a video if you search like YouTube, like why you didn't get stuck in Metroid Dread. Um, there is like the, all these uh, developer techniques being used to make it seem like the world is large, but you're for whatever reason not getting stuck. And the reason why is because they do all these things to cordon you off constantly. It's a linear game. It's very linear. Like you'll walk into a room and then you'll, and then the, the door will close and not be openable from that side. And then now, despite the fact that the world is large, the door still won't open on the side until you do X thing. So it'll lock you off in like a three or four room quadrant until you find whatever you're supposed to do in that yeah um so, so it's it's interesting that we have a genre called metroidvania because like these two things are actually so distant from each other at this this point where the castlevania style games especially like um uh bloodstained bloodstained ritual of the night is like the polar opposite of this game in terms of them both being considered the same genre and like bloodstained is my favorite game in that genre which means that this on the opposite end is my least favorite. I mean, it's not like it's not the worst game, but yeah, like you, there's not a lot of sense of there's there's real no, there's not really exploration, so that's a problem. There um, are secrets, but all of the secrets give you more missile capacity or more life. Yeah, Metroid that's has it. kind of always been this way, but um, I, I think that there is always the excuse of like like that's kind of what I said to you about Metroid Dread uh, when you were like, hey, it's only life and missiles, and it's like. And my answer is that is Metroid. Like Metroid never has any, you know, like they they never have any like frivolous upgrades. Like all the upgrades are things that like you must do to progress. And then the things that you can do as side stuff is the health and missiles. But is that, a, is that good? The answer is probably no. Like in Castlevania, you can sometimes do like a side thing that unlocks like a wild power that like you might not see otherwise that like is not useful for is not necessary for completing the game, but is, like, useful or fun otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the game is very linear. Um, the upgrades are pretty boring a lot of times because most of the time they're just a better version of something else. Um, there's also this problem with the there not being enough buttons, kind of. Um, there's a lot of, like, oh, yeah. weird-ass oh, buttons. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yeah, you have to, like, There's a thing like where twister. You, you get, like, a power-up to be able to there's one of the big um things about this game is that there's these things called remember double jumping oh my god I, that's a whole another story but there's these thing called emmys and they're like you kind of play this stealth action thing with them where they try and hunt you down and it is it is completely unplayable is my is, anyone who thinks that the emmy stuff is remotely done well is absolutely insane the emmys um, they walk around, there's these robots that like, if they see you, which they can see you through walls, um, uh, then, then they yeah. come back, they come to like attack you and they, in, they can instant kill you unless you like frame perfect double hit this thing, which like wasn't even explained well to me that that's the way it works, but it doesn't like, it's so hard to hit anyway that it doesn't, it's not consistent. But anyway, the Emmys, like the AI seems to know where you are. So it'll do things like, like you have, you get a stealth. But it'll do things, and you can only be in stealth for a certain amount of time before it starts straining your health and then pops you out of it. But it, the AI will do things where 
it it like walks past you and then it just stands there and it kind of like waits for you to come out of stealth and it like won't leave the area or like go far enough away like it'll just keep pacing back and forth in your near your hiding spot and it's like it's so frustrating like it never works out it never feels good for the most part like when it, with the emmy sections i just like got caught and then tried to run away as quickly as possible um and it's very binary and just feels shitty um the emmy just stuff was just garbage um what else would i say that doesn't work about this um yeah like the, there's a there's a section where thankfully for a little bit of, it only lasts for a little bit of time but you get this double jump and for whatever reason the double jump is like the controls are pretty bad and you get the wrong things a lot of times one of the examples is like you're sometimes you have to like shoot downwards or like look down but the game sometimes registers it as like it's a, like turning into a, a, a like turning into a morph ball so there's times where like you're in a hectic boss fight and you're jumping and shooting below you and then suddenly you're a morph ball and it's one of those things where you didn't want it so it doesn't register it didn't register immediately in my brain like oh i'm a morph ball that's why i'm not moving around or using my abilities and i'm getting hit um so like the game does the game like has it's there's too many controls onto too many different buttons and you get the wrong thing a lot and there's this part where you get this double jump that is this, that is like just inexplicable. It's like it was never play tested. It's, it was the worst thing I played in a video game this year. It felt like a non AAA game broken. There's an uh, area. There's that one room where you have to like climb up. That's like massive and like you keep falling down. It's, like there's the, this, the... You get the double jump and the double jump only works like 75% of the time. You could say that it only works because you have to time it with a with a part in the jump, but I tested it so many times because I like was shocked about how bad it was and how it didn't work all the time. But there's this room after you get the double jump. There's this room where there's these mushrooms, and it's a really tall room where you're like climbing to the top of this room. And whenever you touch, whenever you stand on one of the mushroom platforms, they go away after a couple seconds, um, which is like a normal gameplay thing. But the double jump only works like seventy five percent of the time. So what would happen was like I would climb to like pretty far in the room and then like try and go for a big jump, which you had to like, you know, do like pretty tightly because the, your platform was disappearing and the jump, the double jump wouldn't come out and then you just fall to the, the ground. And like this happened, like I, this was just like a five minute, five to like 10 minute segment of me being in one room and knowing exactly how they wanted me to it was definitely like t closer to like 10, 15 minutes of just trying to jump up this dumbass room and like the double jump not working. Like, thankfully you get a screw attack that works better, but like, holy shit, the double jump was terrible. There's so many parts it's of this game that are- not being played at AGDQ. That are just broken. How wild is that? Wouldn't you expect this It is a pretty cool, um, uh, on, on a, at a positive note, it's a cool speed run game and it actually like, uh, the developers built in sequence breaks, which is kind of cool. Like it was really definitely built to, um, uh, for a speedrunning community, which is pretty cool because um, uh, traditionally Metroidvania games really do lend themselves well to speedrunning. So that's pretty neat. Um, there's some cool stuff with like boss instant kills if you get an item that you weren't supposed to have at the time. And Yeah, I'm interested to see where the speedrunning community is. This game, it is weird that this is the first AGDQ since it came out and the game isn't being run. Especially since it did have a, it does have a pretty strong speedrun. Yeah. What is Critadel? So Critadel is another one of these uh roguelite shooters uh it's kind of in the vein of contra um where it is a it's like a 2d platformer it, it sort of has like game boy advanced aesthetics um where you're going through you're collecting like weapons and perks uh you're playing as different characters you're outfitting them with like different perks at the outset of the run uh but i but one of the things that makes this one more unique is that the there you drop like attachments 
uh, for weapons. Like you'll drop like an expanded clip or like a laser sight or something. And you sort of get to make the decision of uh, which of the weapons are you going to... Um, sorry, I'm getting notifications. You're, you're choosing like which of the uh, weapons to equip it to. And as you equip more of a certain type of weapon, you're also uh, getting different perks. Uh, so if you collect like a set of nature weapons, then you'll get like uh, regenerating health. Or if you have like a bunch of rifles, then it'll give you like a uh, bonus fire rate to all weapons that you're carrying. So you can carry like a total of eight weapons, but in some cases you'll choose to carry some weapons that maybe are uh, less useful, but they fulfill like a synergy like oh you, you know like uh maybe there's this pistol that's kind of underpowered but it's giving you a unique pistol pistol passive uh that you might want to hold on to uh so you'll keep it for that reason anyways i thought that this was like a pretty good roguelite so i just wanted to call it out even though i only played uh five and a half hours five and a half hours is quite a bit of time i played this game for five and a half hours there you go the good life another sweary game that we were talking about sweary a little I didn't play much of this. I had kickstarted it way back in the day. I kickstarted it and I didn't get my code for some reason. Well, it's also on Game Pass. So uh, if you have Game Pass, nice. um, you could just play The Good Life. Um, and that totally works. Uh, so The Good Life, this is actually the second photo uh, taking game on the list. There were like a bunch of indies this year that released that are about uh, taking photos. Uh, but in The Good Life, um, you are a... New York City photographer who is visiting a very small European town that is uh, claimed to be uh, the happiest town in the world, uh, named Rainy Woods. And as like soon after you get there, there is a uh, a body. Uh, a, a girl dies in the woods with like a sword pierced through her, and you are investigating the like why was she murdered and also. Why does everybody in town turn into a cat or dog at night? That's a great question. That second one. <laughs> yeah. And the game also calls itself a debt repayment simulator. So as you like, you are taking photos and posting photos online and you're earning money uh, based on whether you've taken pictures that people want to see. And then you're just like doing like fetch quests and taking photos and trying to solve this mystery. A little Twin Peaks. Definitely. Definitely a sweary game. Oh, wow. We just kind of on like to the... a... Oh, go on. I, I, I thought we were just going on to the next one. Oh, my. The big one. Inscription? Inscription. Did we spoil this game? Uh, yeah, we did. We did, right? Yeah. We'll probably talk more about spoilers here. So Inscription is a game that uh, spends the first third of it being a roguelite deck builder. Um, and then it's sort of... It, it's a game in three acts uh, where the where each act is sort of a different style of uh, of a deck building game. So the first one is a roguelite deck builder, like um, Slay the Spire. The second act is more like a Pokemon trading card game uh, where you are getting card packs, opening that, like you're just adding a bunch of cards to your collection. And then you're just like trying to build the best deck. Um, if you lose in battle, then you just simply repeat the battle. You could... There's like some weird limitations of it's not very easy to like get more cards. So you're just kind of like working with what you get um, and trying to build the best deck you can in that section. And then the third section of the game 
is more of like an RPG where uh, you are traversing this map and there are like save points. So if you lose, uh, you're just getting kicked back to that save point, but your deck is getting like stronger and stronger up to a point where eventually uh, later in the game, it's, it's like extremely powerful and you're just like crushing everything uh, in the way that you would in like a RPG usually. Um, I, I think that a lot of people agree that the best act of this is the first third. Yeah. Uh, with the second act being the weakest. Um, I will say that I actually really liked the aesthetic of that second map. Um, and that it definitely did evoke like Game Boy Color, like the Pokemon yes. trading card game on yeah. that. Like I, I did kind of dig that. I liked the music in that section quite a bit. And I also liked uh, just sort of seeing those like their, you know, like the origin of the of the scribes. I think that the weakest part of the game might have been the found footage. But oh, yeah. I, I do kind of like uh, the story that's happened. Like, I think that if you take the found footage as it exists in the game, uh, then it's kind of lackluster. Um, and Very it gets a little so, bit actually. better. Yeah, if you understand, like, the, the ARG that happened outside of the game where there is, like, um, th it's referred to as, like, a a daemon inside the inside the disc where this the actual inscription floppy is possessed they make it seem like in the game uh that this character that the that the game funa representative is trying to kill the lucky carter because they want to uh you know hide the what happened with the fire that killed casey um but really they're trying to recover it because there is um an, an actual demon on the disc that they're trying to uh, keep locked away yeah and and that is what's sort of giving the game it's um the the characters in the game do have a sort of consciousness uh the four scribes yeah i would say i agree with everything you said um the first part of the game feels like the most complete um the first part of the game feels like that alone is going to be the game and um it's kind of like a horror uncomfortable feeling like you're learning this card game, but you're also like stuck and forced to play the card game against your will at uh, uh, playing with this being who is just like a set of glowing eyes in the darkness. And you're also, it's also kind of an escape room. There's all these like things to poke and prod in the, and it feels like, uh, like that is going to be what it's going to be about. And there's a lot of cool ways to like totally break the first part of the game and like do some really cool stuff and like make cards and um there's and like he calls you out when you like break the so there's especially in the beginning like in the beginning when you're like wait why is this card talking to me is this going to happen more like what is this card what does it represent and like all this kind of stuff the aesthetic of it like it all works really well it's like so foreboding and uncomfortable and then the second part of the game i i straight uh, i disliked did not like it at all i i think some of that also is because i explained like um they get they let you pick like a starter deck and I picked Beasts, and the, the second part of the game, um, because I wanted to m learn more about Leshy, who is the first character that, like, you know, he's the Beast uh, scribe, and he traps you, and he's the first kind of character that you're you're with in the first part of the game that I liked. Um, but, the, the, but the mechanics of the second part of the game weirdly don't lend it to it, because the Beast deck is about, like, sacrificing creatures to get stronger creatures the way that, like, a Pokemon card game would be, um, or Yu-Gi-Oh! does that too, I think. Um, and yeah. in the second part of the, in the first part of the game, you can draw from a sacrifice deck. And in the second part of the game, 
um, you can you don't. So like I would, it would just like a magic problem where like yeah. I, you would just get like mana fl- flooded or mana. Yeah, overall, swamp. yeah. The, the second act of the game, it just has. Um, there are a lot. There are more mechanics, but none of the mechanics let you feel like powerful or let you express yeah. yourself in the same way that the first section did. They actually uh, came out with a, a a DLC for the game uh, that just turns the first section into a fully fledged uh, roguelike and just added a bunch more cards. Yeah, and so that so that's that's kind of cool that they did. Yeah, um, I would say, and then great I would... great music too. In that yeah, very good section. music. Um, the a lot of stuff in the game doesn't pay off for me. The found footage never pays off for me because I don't I don't really care that much about ARG things. Um, I feel like games have done that before and it's not that wild anymore. And also, I kind of appreciate it more when it's an ARG in the game and it's less like, oh, you know, this game has a somewhat incomplete ending and kind of a, um, you know, like a cliffhanger ending. And the, like it feels unsatisfying, but to get the closure or to know more about it, I need to like go online and not play the game and just like read and watch AR, ARG stuff. I would have rather yeah. them had a payoff in the game. And then if you want to do an ARG outside for like super fans, then whatever. But like to, to the, the ending, the AR, the, the found footage feels like profoundly unsatisfying and it does not pay off for me. Um, and, uh, I would also say uh, the the ending in the game is one of the best, and there's a phenomenal like ending with. It every... has a great ending. Yeah, there's a phenomenal ending, ending in, the in the game that is like that is what's worth, and that's what pays it off. Yeah, and we might talk about that a little bit more uh, when we talk about the best games of the year, because I think that that section requires a call out. I didn't actually play this game in October, but I, I got it at the Steam sale, and that's a Ziggurat 2. Have you seen this one? Have you heard of this game? Have not seen it, have not heard of it. I think you'd actually like it quite a bit. Um, Ziggurat 2 is a first-person shooter uh, roguelite, um, but it's all spells. So you are playing as uh, one of 11 different mages and just going through dungeons, fighting carrots. Uh, yeah, I don't know why there's carrot enemies, but it, it looks really good. It looks like a very, like, uh, it looks like a pretty modern game. Uh, so visuals are solid. It moves very, very fast. A um, lot of cool spells and weapons. The, the one knock I have against it is that the perks are a little boring. When you, like, get a perk, the perks are, like, um, uh, 5% increased movement speed. Or, like, your, your fire rate on this weapon type is 15% faster. And I, I always... That kind of stuff always kind of bums me. Uh, I always, like, uh, you know... The thing about roguelites is everything is limited, you know, like everything is finite. You're going to die. You're going to lose everything. So let me have a couple of runs that are just bonker. Yeah. Or like I end up getting like the craziest combo and it just works out. But I I will say, though, that I've unlocked only a, a portion of what Ziggurat 2 has to offer. So it could just be that the stuff at the at the start, like before you pick stuff up, is a little bit more boring. Because essentially the way that it works is um, you there, there's kind of like a campaign where you are choosing uh, like what your next mission is going to be. And you're going to see like, OK, this mission is going to unlock a new alchemy weapon or a new uh, spell book. And it's going to be this long and, you know, or it'll unlock like a new perk or it'll unlock a couple of different. You go in, you do the mission, you choose a loadout at the start where essentially you choose like uh, your who you're going to play as, uh, what your starting wand is going to be. 
um, what your secondary weapon is going to be, which is going to be a stronger weapon, a staff, a spellbook, an alchemy, and then an amulet, which is like an active ability, like refresh all the mana of a specific type or give you a burst of speed or make you like extremely defensive for three seconds. Um, so it's interesting because like you go in and you're already choosing a loadout. So if there's like a specific weapon that you really, really like, you could choose to always have it with you. But the weapon is going to be like a level one weak, like weak weapon that you're going to replace uh, in the middle of the campaign uh, with something of a stronger level of a level. But at the start of the game, there's only like eight weapons. So you're not going to see a lot of variety until you start doing more and more campaign missions and unlocking like the stronger and more interesting weapon. Uh, so the it's a little less of the of what you get in something like uh, Gunfire Reborn, which we'll talk about soon, or Enter the Gungeon or even Dead Cells, where sometimes you just have like these god runs. Uh, because this game, it's a little bit more... Um, it's just less random. Like it's more decided upon, but it's definitely like a player skill matters, like extremely high speed, uh, gotta be pretty accurate depending on your weapon kind of thing. And it looks great, uh, in motion. Like the, the enemies look terrific. The, the, the levels are really cool. The lighting effects are really cool. And the way that like your spells create light, is, it's nice. I, I think you should check it out specifically. I think you would like. Nice. And then to continue, we have a, sort of uh game of the year contender oh snap uh for one of us the one of us that decided to play the dlc for one of the best games ever made i know i mean Uh, i i haven't i didn't touch this yet because i played first of all i played outer wilds on uh the epic store um and have since deleted the epic store um and be two because i don't know it's like it's just what it it is difficult like i'm hearing good things from about it from you i do want to play it i've heard good things um uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to be in the mood for it. Outer Wilds is one of my favorite things of all time. I don't want to just like get into it right away. Like I want to be in a good headspace for it. So 90% of this is like perfect. There is maybe a 10% to 20% section of this game uh, that I did not like and you definitely will not like. Um, but wow, this is the most interesting Outer Wilds location Uh that exists like this dlc adds like the coolest the most mysterious place the dreadnought of outer wilds i wish i could talk about it but i can't because you haven't played it uh but the music is great it's it is scary this is a spooky dlc like from the like the moment where you enter the location it is like quite scary and then i i think that it actually made it scarier knowing that it's considered horror because you're always you don't you don't know when it's like why is it scary like what's gonna happen like where's the part you know what i mean okay yeah yeah so you have this like expectation at every moment of yeah outer wilds has always had some level of you kind of talked about this like outer wilds made me feel sick to my stomach sometimes because there's times where you like you you're like jump and then get caught and like it's a low gravity place and then you get caught out of the like in the the vacuum of space and like, or your ship just falls or, into the black hole on like a uh, brittle hull something like that where it's like now there's nowhere to go and like there's just weird like even or even just like the like there's there's one planet pretty close to the sun that has pretty low gravity and you just kind of like can jump and boost around it and if you do it too much or the moon i think the moon also does this where like you're on the moon and you can just like jump out of its 
um out of its gravitational pull and like or it, like the sand on the hourglass twins that could just like suck you off of a planet and yeah. like throw you to the other the, one the, like there's some massive or, or you know like how about the anglerfish or you know like the thalassophobia on the um like the water island nate was taught nate has been playing the game recently and he's been streaming it when he plays it and he was just talking about how it's made him anxious more than any other game specifically uh giants deep yeah, Giants uh, Deep as being the 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 one, uh, but also yeah, did he did not like the angler fish. There's so many like but uncomfortable is, parts of yeah, that game. Yeah, but it is so cool to watch somebody else play the game and like see the way that they are reacting to it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually been pretty cool. Like as I've been as I was playing like Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye, uh, to just like uh, watch him play the base game. I thought it's been great. Continuing on with October, uh, a Halloween themed game for a Halloween themed month. You know where I played this is it was actually on Game Pass uh, back for Blood it released so I didn't have to Thank pay you, Microsoft for it and Game uh, which Pass. is really great. Um, for sponsoring Game this year, Back for Blood is a game that I wouldn't have played if it weren't on Game Pass because you know the best Game Pass games are co-op multiplayer games because it's really hard to convince people to like oh you got to try this co-op multiplayer game it's like twenty bucks and they're like no nah, I don't really want to pay twenty bucks no thanks. But if people subscribe to Game Pass, then they're like, yeah, absolutely, I'll play that. So there's been a lot of co-op games this year that I've just been playing because they're on Game Pass. And I feel like Back for Blood uh, is actually a little underrated. Like, I'm surprised by how much people don't like it, uh, because I think it's pretty great. Um, It has so much going for it. Um, And maybe it's just, it it hit at the right time. Uh, I don't know. So essentially, the way that this works is... Have you heard of Left 4 Dead? Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead. It's it is Left 4 Dead. Um, however, it is a little bit different. Left 4 Dead for uh, Dead with all the the lessons we've learned a decade later, including your favorite things, progression. Uh the progression in this game feels so cool. Uh and I will talk about why. Uh there are two sort of types of progression. So first off, there are eight characters and the eight different characters uh they actually do different things. You believe this? Not like Left 4 Dead. In Left 4 Dead, you got like, uh, I don't know, like four guys and they all do the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah I guess so. This is, so this is Heroes. Yeah, this has Another hero thing we classes. learned from the last 10 years. So some of them are going to be better at like sniping. Some of them are going to be better at scavenging. Or there's one of that that is a medic. There's one that's like really good with LMGs. Um, so the game takes place over four acts. Um, and each of the acts is like quite long, like quite, quite long. Like some of them, I think, are like six levels. So it'll be like one act with like six levels or something like that. And some of them are smaller. Um, But the way that it works is that as you're going through the acts, like as you're going through an act, uh, you are finding new guns uh, that are of different rarity levels uh, that will that you can like slot weapon attachments onto. Um, And so there there's like this in this like in chapter progression of. I'm getting better and better weapons. Like I'm, I'm finding something that is like perfect for me. And if you finish act one, then in act two, you're going to start and it's going to be completely fresh. You're going to start the, the gear treadmill over again. Uh, there's also this, um, macro progression, uh, which is a deck building thing where you are maintaining a deck and the deck is, uh, perks. So you are choosing, uh, perks perks that will appear between levels and whenever you uh go between the chapters within an act so at the end of act one chapter one i get a perk that's gonna you know activate in the next chapter and then act one chapter two and essentially like as long as i'm in act one 
I have access to these perks that I've uh, put in my deck. Uh, and, I, and you know, so I'll draw some of them, I'll choose the one that I want, and then the next time I'll choose another one. Uh, and they're like, right, they're, they're really impactful. Uh, some of them are like, um, you have, <coughs> uh, you know, like 30% increased fire rate, but you can't aim down sights or something like that. And you're sort of, or they'll be like, um, if you scope in for one second, you'll do 150% crit damage. So you're sort of like tailoring them around the different like class archetypes of like, all right, I'm going to be like a run and gun uh, SMG user. So I don't really need to aim down sights. So I could just take all of these like perks that are going to help me with, uh, you know, hip fire and uh, rate of fire, things like that. And you can actually take ones that are stacking detrimental effects together. So there'll be like multiple perks that remove your ability to aim down sights. Um, and you may as well just put all of those in your deck because if one of them deactivates aim down sights, then the second one you take, it's not going to do anything. There will be no negative effect. Um, so I dig that. I, I, I don't know if there's like a PVP component to this game. I feel like there is. So there is also like a competitive... Um, there is a competitive aspect of this, but it's not the same as it was in Left 4 Dead. In Left 4 Dead, there was... Um, there was a mode where you could play as like the special zombies, but in this mode, no, it's the same thing. In this mode, you get to play as a cleaner or you get to play as the uh, the ridden, they're called. I think that I also like this game because it takes place in Western Pennsylvania and there are characters who like have thick Pittsburgh accents and there's like all of this, um, like there's posters and things like that and all this like stuff about like Allegheny County mountains and Allegheny County like road cleaning and stuff like that. Uh, and that's where I live. I live in Allegheny County. So it was just kind of fun to see like the Pittsburgh area represented in this game, like immediately after I moved here. Yeah, th that that was a this is a great Game Pass game. As you said, there seems like a lot of cool things if you just want to toy around. With. What a great deal. What a, what a one of the best deals in gaming. Thanks, Microsoft. November. This is the month that all the games come out. Uh, Call of Duty. Yes. Call of Duty. November. That yes. came out, right? Did it? Uh, Vanguard. Call of Duty, no, that actually came out in September. Battlefield 2042, let me check. Battlefield 2042, uh, when did that come out? So they made a game based, they made a Call of Duty game based off of Riot Vanguard, the anti-cheat yeah. for Valorant? Yeah, if you search Battlefield 2042, the first thing people ask is, why is Battlefield 2042 so bad? Interesting. Uh, we didn't play either of uh, But I played uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five for the Nintendo Switch. So this is a... Um, Contender for best Pokemon game of the year um, because it is a game where you um, catch and train monsters and breed them to make better monsters, except all the monsters are those like gross demons from Persona. Uh, this is the Persona battle system as a full game. That's it. That's what it is. What do you think of that? Um, I feel like I never saw anything that looked that good out of it. Um, it the, the that first I, I know I harp on it like that initial area looks pretty bland and boring and the art style looks much more boring than persona um it doesn't seem to have the personality it's a lot more bleak it doesn't seem sure. to have that personality it's like, definitely very like it's it's more apocalyptic persona deals with these like these darker topics obviously um but it, it does it with like these awesome characters that that just like are so well written and uh have such incredible personalities and the music is phenomenal and like the ui and usually the effects are very like in the monsters can also be like kind of fun and comical and stuff 
and uh this game just it it is the driest it is one of the most dry looking games like i have to drink water after i look at screenshots of this game um because it makes my mouth go dry with how absolutely boring everything looks um uh i'm sure people would be like oh look at this you know crazy like dick chariot um uh monster well and the it's monsters like, still do the monsters like, i mean the humor is still there with the, I, monsters, the monsters talk yeah side stories I'm, and the music is great i i don't know if i ever find the monster talking stuff to be that great um in any of the persona games uh but yeah i thought this game was pretty cool i mean i also like this archetype of game and on the switch i don't know that i would want to play persona 5 on switch like i i think a lot of people would but for me the switch is kind of like it's the thing that i'm playing when i'm also like watching tv or doing something else sure you don't want to have a bane big massive game on it you want to have like a side game so this is like such a it's a nice little grinding game and like it is just like We've taken the Persona 5, you know, this is the Persona battle system. It's more robust than it is in Persona. Um, There's more functionality. The main character has more going on uh, than they do in the Persona ones. And if you like that, then that's what the story is. um, You could throw it away. It doesn't matter. Um, It's it's like uh, your character goes through a tunnel. They show up in a apocalyptic version of Japan. They want to find out why. Japan is in an apocalypse. They fuse with a god, and your character becomes the Nahobino, which is half mortal, half god. And they get really long, sexy. Yeah, I know. That's a great game. Long blue hair or something. That's a great game. Every time I look at it, I just don't like, I cannot get down with the art style. Speaking of games you do get down with. You know, uh, know I'll say um, Persona is born from the Shin Megami Tensei series. And by I at least Persona Five dropped Shin Megami Tensei because Persona is better than all of the Shin Megami Tensei games. Sorry, that's a, that's a that's fact. That's fine. Um, you can have that opinion. Have you you played the SMT games? I played uh two like two I think I played a a couple. There was also one like I played them more when they were um like you wouldn't you would just see the enemies like you wouldn't see your characters. All the, the the older classic ones that did that like mm. old JRPG dungeon crawl where you just look you stare at an enemy. Mm. Yeah, I think it was Shimagami Tendi or two. You want to I talk believe. about another RPG? Maybe um, a couple RPGs. Uh, Ruined King came out this year. Ruined. Ruined King, the League of Legends story. This um, game is ruined. King. They're doing such you know? the cigarette Chamber math. Joke. <laughs> they're doing such good things with um the League of Legends IP this year. Uh, this was a, a really, really good... It was from... I can't think of the name of them. Like, Gyrocopter or something. They they, they did, like, the Battle Chasers, Night War. Um, and Ruined King is a, like, League of Legends RPG that is way better than it has any right to Airship be. Airship Syndicate. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, uh, it's way better than it has any right to be. Um, it They have a whole mechanic where uh, you can... Like, you, you have these instant attacks that come out instantly... Um, and can generate MP, and then anything that costs magic has like a cast time, and you can decide to put it on a like a shorter cast time for less of an effect, or a longer cast time for more of an effect. Um, yeah, that's so that's one of like that the main cool. main kind um, of like contentions to the to the battle system. Yeah. So it's interesting because this is also uh, using completely different characters than Arcane. It's like they're showing different parts of the 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 universe uh with these different properties yeah it's really cool this is like bilgewater up. area and vestaya um and shadowlands kind of so like it's it's that those kind of um places and it, it uh is like alawi um pike yasuo ari brahm um 
Uh, so it's just it is it's phenomenal. It it also it has like some of the the most just systems in the game, like the most like there is like a crafting system. There's like a enchanting system. There's uh, a like talent tree system. There are like perks that you can like go down a perk tree for every individual ability that characters have. So it really like lets you do a lot with. Um, the different characters and like get to personalize the characters to have your have like the most unique kind of kits or like do whatever you want and have them uh you know the be in, go into like healing or tanking or damage yeah, like, yeah it's 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 a really good game and like the story is is like more basic but it it works completely um i guess i don't know how much it's hard to tell to say how much it is just those characters um and that world is so well done but um, also, like, I, I just think that nothing is, like, n- nothing is, like, too long in the tooth, I guess. It always, uh, th- the writing is not, like, overblown. You're not reading, like, going through a ridiculous amount of uh, dialogue and cutscenes the way that you are in the next game I'm about to, about to talk about, um, where uh, it just feels, like, snappy. Like, it's paced very well. Um, there's lots of cool things to do in it. I've pl- I, I want to make the push for the last thing because I rarely do that. We talked earlier about this podcast about how I don't necessarily feel like I have to finish things if I don't want to. And um, uh, this is a game that I kind of w- feel like I owe it to it because I just, I know it's where it's going probably, but I'm just enjoying it so much. Um, and there's tons of side stuff. Like, I feel like it's a game where you could play it for 25 hours to like 50, 40, I, I don't even know. Like, I've, I've yeah. spent and a lot of time. you could shrug off the side stuff if you just want to see where it goes. Right? I spent a lot of time doing the side stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think you can race through the main story in close to like 20, 20 hours, but I've been, I have been continually doing tons of the side stuff like you can there's some there's also like big end game end game quests to get like um uh like rare legendary equipment for that is like personalized for the characters like you know like some crazy legendary yasuo sword and um also are any of the items um items from league they are yes they are very much items from league i think i explained this too like for example brahm um, he starts out with like this, his, I think Doran's his regular shield. looking shield and he gets a Doran's shield and it's just a goofy looking, it's massive. Like you would, th- I always thought of Doran's shield as this small little like bucklery kind of thing. But in this game, like Brahm's dorm shield, Doran's shield is like larger than the shield he gets in like league proper. So, and then, and then there's a Doran's blade for Yasuo. There's, there's tons of like the, uh, Manamune is in this, is in it. Like most tons of, um, yeah, tons of, uh, items are in this game. Like most of the consumable items are based on league stuff. This is a very well done game, um, from every way you look at it. I will say that, uh, I don't know if they've fixed it cause I haven't played it very much in the month of December, but, um, uh, there is a lot of problems and a lot of glitches on the Switch version of it. There is some like insane glitches that are not becoming of a triple, at least having Riot's name on it. Um, I kind of soldiered through it and like d- did the best I could with some of the glitches. But uh, there's one glitch that would commonly happen where you can't um, do anything in the menus. I mean, like during battle, so you can't scroll down. So you could only pick their their first attack and only attack the um minion that's the highest on the screen so you couldn't you couldn't like choose anything in the menus it's a weird as hell glitch and the only way to to stop it is to like turn off the system or like shut down ruined king completely and then restart it up and then there's this area that's bugged where um it like if you save during it it like corrupts the save and it won't let you load into it there's some bad glitches so if people I, i either 
wait for a big patch on Switch or play it on PC. I, I think this is a great Switch game, though. Um, so when this gets patched, it'll be worth playing. It'll be really worth playing right now. I'd, I, despite how much I like it, I feel like I'd have to recommend against it. Um, is Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker really worth playing? Is are, Can people play it yet? Can you people, buy that game? I, you know, I don't know if people can buy it. I think no. Um, Final Fantasy uh, fourteen Endwalker is, has the opposite trajectory of WoW in that tons of people are playing it. Uh, the fan base is loving it and the expansions have done great and generally square has like culminate has like cultivated a phenomenal fan base that is very much in love with this game after all this time um i have played a i think like let's say like 40 50 hours of um of endwalker uh that's a lot well maybe uh so one of the uh, I, I I talk this happens every time that a new uh, Final Fantasy fourteen expansion comes out. Final Fantasy fourteen I cannot possibly recommend to literally anybody. Um, I if 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 you're asking right now, should you play Final Fantasy fourteen? If any you know viewer is saying that, um, I would say uh, fully entirely, absolutely not. Abs do absolutely not. Don't even think about it. Don't consider it. Um, Final Fantasy fourteen is a game that. It really makes you go through all of the content of which there is an unbelievable amount. Telling someone to play Final Fantasy XIV right now, if you want to get to where people are, is like saying, um, I really like One Piece. You should start watching One Piece so we can talk about the new episodes. Like, no. There's thousands of episodes. Like, that is not a, like, just get on that, and then in a couple weeks we can start talking about it. This game is, like, unbelievably long, and it needs to be cut down. Um, I don't think that people who are playing the game new should have to go through everything because the beginning is a slog. The initial A Realm Reborn, which is the initial classic content before there was expansions, is pretty bad. And it's extremely, it takes a unbelievably long time. I would say like, there I have like thousands of hours in Final Fantasy. Like it is a game that really, it makes you work to get anywhere in it. Um, and also that game, like there's so many things about that game that are just so fascinating. Like that game is slow as hell. Like the, the game is designed every expansion. They kind of, sometimes they like take away abilities and then re add abilities so that they don't bloat the abilities, which is a good idea. But what they've essentially done at this point is that like until like by level 60, by like, you know, level 60 or 50, um, when you finish a realm reborn, you'll have like a rotation. That's like, you have a one attack, a two attack and a three attack. And that's it. Like you don't, you, you won't be playing anything enjoyable in that game till you get to like heaven sword. And that's where the story starts picking up. So, yeah. but so like the stories are famous it's slow for me. It's, it is, it is unbelievably slow. Like when you say slow, slow is hyperbole. This is, there is not, there has been no video game like final fantasy 14. It is, it is glacial. It is, it is unbelievable it is truly astounding it, it had an insane year though it had right? an insane year so so to get to endwalker you know what endwalker stuff um you know people love the story i love the story final fantasy 14 is one of the best final fantasy fantasy stories which is crazy because they're doing it in an mmo so they're using an mmo to tell like a pretty phenomenal story and also the mmo aspects are pretty good like final fantasy 14 has the best um dungeon content of any MMO. Um, that's a, that's a period on that. Uh, it is just even most like major streamers end up agreeing. And like, especially this year, a lot of the major streamers have gone to, um, final fantasy 14 cause wow continues to flounder and, and Walker, you know, has done so well. So 
um, Endwalker release. I usually play all everything up to the like kind of ending, like the like the the uh, the story of a um, the story of a expansion will take um, like 60, 70, 80 hours to complete. Um, and then after that, for years, they'll release content that sets up, you know, the middle, the, the like, kind of, the struggle is gone, now every, how is everything returning to normal, and then they start setting up the new, you know, big bad problem, and the new, uh, like, antagonist, and the new plot. So, when I came back after um, Shadowbringers, like, to, to go to Endwalker, um, I had to play, like, whatever, two years or so of content. Um, so that was the brunt. I'm just in the beginning. I'm like level 84 after like 60 hours or so because I did all I had to do all the old um, uh, Shadowbringers content to get to the Endwalker content and have only like within the last week got to Endwalker despite starting Endwalker. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I only just recently got to Endwalker and I'm in like the second zone or so in Endwalker. Um, Final Fantasy is also like the pacing. I was talking about the pacing. The pacing is glacial everywhere. Um, it's like what you do in that game. I I was I told you like I have longed for a mission that is like you have to go like think about wow what you do in wow is you go to a new area and then there's a quest giver. There's like three quest givers. You see like the you know the 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 golden exclamation point. And the quest givers will say, you got to go north and get four cheetah hides. And then one person says, you got to go north and get two kobold axes. And then one says, you got to go north and get four cheetah fangs. And they're all in the kind of the same area. And you kill X amount of these and you get the drops and you, or sometimes you just have a kill quest and then you bring them back and then you sometimes get new armor and then you go on to the next group of quest givers or whatever, go on to the next area. Um, in this game, you never do that. You're mostly um, like, it's mostly like, teleport here and tell this character that this is the plan and then you teleport there and then you go through like there's a load screen and then you go uh mount up and then run over to the where the character is and then you tell the character and then there's a, a 10 minute long cutscene. and then when that comes out they're like all right we need to start getting explosives ready for this plan go talk go to um uh like this area to go speak to this old uh npc um that that knows stuff about explosives and it is so dry it's it's strange that people just love that game without like a grain of salt like it is just the most glacially paced thing in the world and i i like it's weird to like want more like i just want to like fight things a little bit more because i like i'll get on and then play two hours of like teleporting around and reading dialogue and watching cutscenes, and then just be like i'm burnt out i cannot do this anymore um I almost sometimes I have to like do the daily like duty finder, which is just like a random instance, just to like cut up the story because it is it's just so much story. Um, and it, and the dialogue just it just drags, it just goes and goes sometimes. So uh, other than that, like I'm finally getting to it. Always pays off in the end. Like I feel like they they're telling great stories. So like I it's starting to get interesting what I'm at, and I think that ultimately it will pay off. Um, other than that, gameplay-wise, like, the, uh, nothing about, the new areas haven't been too interesting to me, but eventually you go to the moon. That's not a spoiler. That's kind of, like, a lot in the trailer. So that's kind of insane. I want to see how that even works. Um, and, uh, the, they have two new classes. Um, the edgiest class in a game that has ninjas, samurais, and dark knights is now Reaper. And Reaper is a DPS class, of which there are already so many, and it's a melee class, where it kind of like builds up this bar and it's supposed to be like, you know, you have this spirit that is guiding you. They have a, their weapon is a scythe 
And um, as you build up the bar, you can use them for these spirit attacks that are kind of like... The, the, one of the major things that the combat works like in this game is that there's global cooldowns and off-global cooldowns. This is like a in-the-weeds thing, but the main thing is that like uh, global cooldowns like have like two seconds before you can press, press the next button, and, and off-global cooldowns don't... Like, like you, can, you can weave in between. You can press them in between that, that, that global cooldown timer. So basically this class is like it has global cooldown attacks, and then between those you can use your spirit like almost like a non-complicated Zato where you have this like, you know, spirit minion that is attacking between your attacks. Um, it's uh, it's way overtuned. It is obviously the best damage in the game by far. Final Fantasy usually has a really good balance and the way that they do it is fascinating. Like the most, uh, that kind of, uh, you can, they look at things in, in like the archetype, like ranged DPS and then they'll, they'll have it. So, you know, the ranged DPS that has the least amount of group utility usually does the most damage and is kind of like harder to play or can get screwed up by like boss mechanics or like having to move around and then you'll have like the all the way to the the uh, range dps that has the most utility has the least damage um but this is a kind of poorly balanced expansion for once where the two new classes are way stronger um the reaper is obviously the strongest damage in the game and it also has some like raid utility um and then the other character the other uh, class released is sage which is a which is a class that I have no idea what the um what the uh like dream is like what the class like dream like what someone is looking at that it's and, a classic Final Fantasy job I, it is but the way that it looks is strange Sage is like I cannot even it's it, there's these like four floating like rifle looking things and that's what Sage is like they have like this like space futuristic like yeah. uh like rifle You're getting deep into it but yeah, yeah. um. And uh, Sage is like an interesting kind of healer. Like I guess the the main way to explain what what's cool about the, the main way to explain what is cool about Sage is that they put on a buff onto a target, so like the main tank or something. And whenever they're healing or doing any damage to that target, uh, to anything, um, it it also heals them and the target that they're like aligned to. So like a good example of this would be like you put your buff onto the main tank and then you DPS the boss. And every time you deal any damage to the boss. It heals the main tank, so it's kind of a cool concept. Um, like, like everything it does hurts or heals. Everything it does heals the um, you and your target and your like friendship bonus thing, no matter what. Um, and that's that's Endwalker, I think. Wow, wowza. Um, it it is a it is. I do not recommend. You got it. into it. Yeah, because I, I haven't talked about it yet. I haven't talked about Gunfire Reborn. So tell um, me about it. This is a game that I played when it first came out in early access. And I thought that it was cool, but also I was like, this is not ready yet. Like, I, this is the type of game that I want to sit on it. I want it to have everything uh, that it's going to have. Because at the start of the game, it's like, it's a co-op shooter, but it's a class-based co-op shooter, uh, four players. But at the start, they only had like two characters. Uh, so it wasn't as fun because like, whoa, we're all just going to play the same guy. Uh, now it has six classes. It's out. Uh, so think of this as... A Borderlands roguelite. That's exactly what it is. It is exactly a Borderlands roguelite where you have these six different character classes, which you unlock over time. So you only start with one. Uh, but the one that you start with is a really great class. Um, and then you eventually unlock more. Uh, so what is there to say about it? Um, there is not the same sort of thing as like, oh, there's a bazillion different guns. There is definitely like a set number of guns. Uh, but they have different, like, um, they spawn with different prefixes on them. 
uh, and there are some pretty interesting prefixes. Uh, and there can also be like um, legendary prefixes, uh, which might be weapon specific. Like there is a um, there is a rocket launcher that has like a gravitational pull where it might have a legendary affix like after everyone is pulled in, uh, the gravitational pull will explode and deal damage to everyone. And that's like a legendary affix that like a, a rocket launcher. Or you might get a legendary affix that's like uh, this gun, which usually only throw like it's a like a throwing knife and usually it only throws one, but now it throws three or something like that. And legendary affixes, it can stack. So you can uh, have a god run where you find like this absolutely insane weapon. Uh, that has all these legendary affixes. There's also Gemini affixes, uh, which is um, an affix that only activates if both of your weapons have it. And there will be things like uh, this weapon shoots a spore onto enemies, but you have to switch to your secondary weapon and that will detonate, but they have to have the matching affix. Um, so in addition to the weapons, there's also like the character classes. So each character class has... Um, uh, passive abilities, they have an active ability and they have like a unique type of like grenade or some sort of like consumable ability. Like there's a melee character that has like a, they're, instead of having a grenade, they have like a tail swipe. But they also have uh, skill trees uh, that you level up throughout the run based on what you get. So you might get a run where you find uh, a skill that is like perfect for uh, melee or you might find one that's perfect for shotguns. So one example is there's like this close range character that like their whole thing is uh, they end up taking a lot of damage because they always are fighting with like swords or shotguns because that's like just what they're like spec to do. They have like a leap ability uh, that grants them armor when they jump in. Uh, but they're, they might have a passive ability. They might get a passive ability during the run. That's like uh, the first uh, three shots of your magazine don't consume ammo. So you might find a weapon that's like, this is an extremely powerful shotgun, but it only loads two bullets. But if you get the passive for the character that makes it so that uh, your first three shots don't consume ammo, then this like really powerful like buckshot shotgun now has five shots in it. And this is the exact opposite of Ziggurat 2, where every run of this game gets out of hand, where you're like stacking these crazy abilities with crazy weapons uh, and there is such a good progress treadmill of like unlocking new permanent passives that are going to be active in every run of unlocking new characters of unlocking new weapons. It's, and, and then like unlocking new difficulty levels, which do more than just like increase, like, like uh health and damage. It's also going to increase some um, like enemy variety. It's going to make new types of events happen. New types of rooms will appear. Uh, so overall this is, it's a really fantastic uh, co-op roguelite uh, that scratches the Borderlands itch without having the uh, terrible humor. Because you play as like a little animal. Uh, you're a little adorable like badger. Yeah, you play as like a little adorable like badger or like a fox or like a... There's like a, a beaver and like a dog. A little cute dog. Dog can dual wield just like the guy from Borderlands. Yeah, it's a cute game. I want to play... I, I should play a little bit more of it. I did download it and I played like one run of it. Pretty good. Did you play Unpacking? I didn't. I've heard, I feel like I've had it ruined for me from the Next Lander podcast. Wait, it can be ruined? Yes. There I mean, like sort of. something to it? Yeah. That's so weird. I've played quite a bit of Unpacking, and maybe I have to play more of it to see how it can get unruined. Uh, to see how it can get ruined. Now I want to, knowing that it was ruined for you actually makes me want to play. Because I'm like, does that think, does that have more going on? There's kind of a story, uh, apparently. 
Yeah. So there definitely is a story, um, even, even where I am. So, so far as I've seen unpacking is a game and, and I started playing unpacking as I was unpacking. So friends, you know, listeners of the show and viewers will know that I moved this year. Uh, I moved to a new state. Um, so it was a big move. I, you know, I bought a house, big, big year for me. Uh, so Alyssa and I both sat down and we played unpacking together and it's, it's a really chill game as far as I could tell where, uh, you start off the first room that you're unpacking is like, you're unpacking, uh, this kid's room. So you're like a kid and you're like figuring out where you want to put your toys on the shelf. Uh, and that's, that's it. Like you're opening boxes and you're put, you're putting things away. And after you like complete it, then you go to the next, uh, place, which is, uh, you're moving into, um, your college dorm room. So you're unpacking a college dorm room and you get an achievement if you, um, put the toaster in the bathtub. So you just unpack the toaster in the bathtub. Uh, then you will later, you'll unpack, um, an apartment where maybe you're, you're like sharing an apartment with uh, some friends. And, and that's, as far as I could tell, that's the whole game. You're opening boxes up and you're choosing where to put things. Away. But it's, um, it's got some chill music. It's, it's a very cozy game. Uh, so was it spoiled more beyond that? Um, there's a kind of story. And... All right, I'll see. Yeah, the, 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 the story is told through unpacking. Yes, that much I know. So I'll have to skip that part of the, the next slander. But it's a it's also one of those things. It's a it is a narrative that can only be told through video game. Yeah. So whoop de doo. Uh Love those and the things. last game in November is uh Forza Five. Um Forza Five is cool because it's on Game Pass. So you don't have to pay sixty dollars which is which is cool because I don't think Forza Five is a game that I would have played. Uh because I don't really care very much about racing games. But I played it because it's a brand new game. And it looks great. Uh, so Forza 5, I, I mean, this is as close to uh, Burnout as we're going to get. So my favorite racing game of all time is Burnout Paradise. I don't know. What is your what is your uh, past with racing games? Do you play any of these bad boys? I'm not a big racing games person. And if I do play racing games, they're usually babby racing games. Everyone's the Mario like, sucker into a Mario Kart. I like Mario Kart. Um, Forza 5 is an open world racing game um, where you are driving around from event to event. And then starting it, but it is also, it plays like this MMO where you're always seeing other people like driving around and you're also people, you can create events and other people can play them. And if people play them, then you get money and everyone, you upvote their event and they get money for doing it. And you're getting all this money and you spend the money to, um, uh, gotcha new cars and to, yeah, so you're gotching new cars and you're tuning cars. Uh, there's a lot of car customization, not just in terms of like, I want to tune it. I want to put on wheel like this wheel. I want to make it like have better brakes or handling for these types of situations. But also like uh, there is an extremely robust um, car design community of like paint jobs and things like that uh, that you sell. So you're creating these cars and then you can sell them at auction and people, you know, people bid on them and you get the money. And then with that money, you can gotcha more cars. Got to put a gotcha in It's a big in car gotcha. It's a big free car gotcha. And I dig it. I mean, it looks great. The game takes place across Mexico. But despite that, there's like a, a really, they they really played up uh, biodiversity as best as they could, even though it's kind of uh, set to one place. So there are some very deserty areas. There's some 
hardcore, like very lush jungles. The weather systems are great. There's like beaches and cities. Um, I'm not crazy about cars or driving myself, but I, I thought that this was like a, a really fun, like pretty chill game. There's also a rewind button. So if you mess up a race, you just like rewind it. That's pretty chill. Let's talk about Halo Infinite. Go ahead. I, I'll, I'll allow it. Halo Infinite released in two parts. Uh, so they surprise dropped the multiplayer, which was free to play. Um, I think it was really early. It was either early November or early December. I feel like it was sometime in November. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that we've already talked about Halo so recently that we don't have to talk about it too much more, um, especially the multiplayer. So instead, what I'll touch on a little bit is the campaign, um, which for what I played, I hated. I hated. This. Tell me about it. And the thing that I hated about it is that I don't know if you know this, but they made this open world. You must have because I heard about you, it. Uh, are a, a video game enjoyer. You listen to podcasts, so you've heard about this. Uh, but it feels like this is an old open world. Like this is a, there's a couple of different activities around the map, and you go to those activities where it's like, oh no, these uh, these these uh. What do, what do they call them in Halo? The the not the Spartans, but like the the little grunt, the little punks, like the little guys you help. Where it's like, oh no, the the military guys, they're they're pinned down by by the Covenant. You got to go save them. And it's I mean, just like, yeah, grunt, grunt, those are scattered like soldiers. Yeah, the soldiers. The I mean, aren't so, what are the name of the little the little the little Covenant or grunts? Those are grunts, and they're adorable. The grunts are the best part about the game because they're so fun. Uh, they say stupid stuff. Uh, all this open world stuff is so useless. Um, Halo has always been this big, like you're going to go through these levels. There's going to be these epic set pieces. Um, some music, some some crazy tribal music is going to play when you're rolling a work hog over a bridge. And the open world doesn't have any of it. It's pretty much just like we gave Master Chief a grappling and we put him in an open world. Find the fun. And the fun is in all the missions. When you're not in the open world. So why is there an open world? I don't know. I don't know if that team knows the answer to that. Yeah, they're too... I mean, the original Halo team, they're... they're uh, now, they have the opposite problem, where they have Destiny. Why can't they make this open where world Destiny make sense? Destiny has, has terrible missions, uh, where all the missions take place in a, in a semi-open world, where uh, the missions are just like, this area is blocked off, so you go down this corridor. This is the same corridor, but backwards. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't like the way this game feels. Uh, I, lo I, I used to love Halo, and uh, I just don't like the way this game feels, especially after playing a lot of Valorant. Like, I don't like the time to kill. I don't know if I really want an arena-style game anymore where you run around with a shitty gun and then try and find a, fun a gun that's fun. I don't know. Like, I just wasn't... I found the hour whatever hour two hours to be like bad and i and i know that like that's not entirely fair i know that like that game would just get better um the more i played it the more that i knew um you know the sight lines on the map and the locations of weapons and everything like that but it did not have a strong initial um play for me um i feel like you don't have to you don't have to play it anymore like you know yeah. you know the feel of that game i mean the, uh, i remember when it came out and it, it is like it is true a lot of times where um, we've been playing games for so long that if someone tells me like, Hey, I've got an arena, um, it's free to play. So you, so nothing's stopping you from playing it. And the genre is like arena, um, long time to kill, um, shooter. 
uh, I would just be like, nope, that's not the kind of shooters I'm. Splitgate is better than the game. Yeah, Splitgate is. I'll say that. I, I feel like I would I would probably enjoy Splitgate more than I would Halo. And lastly, I do want to touch on uh, Serial M Ultimate, which is a game I didn't play, uh, but I do plan to play. 2021. Um, 2022 is 2021 a game of the year. So Serial M Ultimate is a uh, contender for best Pokemon game of the year. Uh, even though I didn't play it yet, I have, I have to pull time in to find out. Um, Serial M has always been a series um, that is ugly. It's not a pretty looking game. This is a game that is more about like numbers and stat crunching uh, than it is about how it looks. But I don't personally mind how it looks because I know exactly what they're going for. So this game is specifically trying to emulate Dragon Warrior Monsters aesthetic, which is like a Game Boy Color game. That's a deep cut. Uh, but, but Game Boy, but um, Dragon Warrior Monsters, if you don't know, was the best Pokemon game to ever be on a Game Boy. If you think it's Pokemon, you're wrong. It's uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters. Uh, I want to read you a Steam review uh, that somebody else wrote. Uh, that I found to be uh, such a, a great sounding review and really makes me want to play this game. Uh, so this is written by uh, user Steam Limit on, on the Steam community. And, and as I read this, I think you'll understand why I specifically would like this. So the review says, Every time an enemy dies, all my dead creatures revive. For every dead creature I have, there's a stacking 15% chance that all my units will auto-revive when they die. When one of the creatures I have revives, he revives every other creature. He also revives automatically the first time he dies. Another creature has a 50% chance to revive everybody else every time he dies. When any of my creatures revive, they all have a 35% chance to gain a buff that will revive them when they die. All of my creatures can kill themselves and give the other units 50% of their stats two times. Every time this happens, the enemy will lose half the amount of the stats gained. One of my creatures deals 30% of his max health twice to all enemies. Every time he dies. If for any reason any of my units stay dead, it's actually better. For every dead creature I have, all of my creatures' attacks have an additional time and 30% increased damage during attack. They can also all attack while dead and actually have 50% more stats and deal 200% more damage on each attack if they are. They also deal 10% more damage for every time one of my creatures has died in the current battle. This is a combo of 14 creature traits working together with one of the classes. There are over 1,200 creatures and 30 classes. Uh, there's also, um, unrelated to this, there's also 700 uh, spells in the game, and this person has played uh, 30, uh, 25 hours uh, when they wrote this review. So... Serial M Ultimate, Serial M in general, I don't know if you've ever played any of these. They, they release everything. They they release on mobile phone. It, I actually played uh, the, the last Serial M on my phone when I was commuting. Uh, so these are the ultimate uh, monster catching and like breeding game where every single monster has like a super unique passive trait uh, that can be passed on when it breeds to other monsters. So because of the way that the traits combine with each other, you just end up getting like these absolutely insane like monster traits. Um, and Serial M Ultimate is sort of the the be all end all of this, where it's the realization of everything uh, that this creator, like like this guy who's made these games, has been making these games uh, for I think 
seven or eight years at this point. So this is like the realization of everything that he's learned off of the last like eight years. What he considers it is he considers this game to be Dragon Warrior Monsters meets Path of Exile. Interesting. What specifically what he said is you might think of this game as Pokemon meets Diablo or more accurately Dragon Warrior Monsters meets Path of Exile. So this person knows like what he's created and he also knows the type of people uh, that are into this. And this game just has like so much goddamn customization. And you know that like what I'm always looking for in a game is I'm looking for something uh, that is specific to me that like sort of makes my experience running through the game feel special. Uh, So I always go for these types of games. Uh, It's why I like roguelites. I like the idea of like, I had this crazy run happen to me that is like so special. And like, it's, you know, nobody is going to experience it the same way. It's also the reason why I liked Outer Wilds, for example, because my path through that game uh, is going to be different from everybody else's because of the 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 way in which I, you know, found my way through it. Same thing with like Breath of the Wild, right? My experience of it is different because I followed uh, my path through the game. I went in a certain direction. And that's always what I'm looking for. And it's one of the reasons why I think uh, Serialum Ultimate uh, is such an exciting contender uh, for Pokemon Game of the Year this year. Well, hell yeah. And that's December. That's... Which is the last month of the year. Uh, which means that we don't really have we, we to could, talk We could do anymore. Games of the Year that didn't release this year and then go and then do categories next time. Yeah, let's do that. Because I think a lot of them uh, so, we could just get by quickly. So games that we played this year that didn't release this year, uh, Slime Rancher. Uh, so super relaxing uh, game about just uh, it's a farming game. So the closest thing that it's like is probably probably I mean, if you want the exact closest thing, it's like this game is very similar to my time at Porsche. This game is but, Monster Rancher. If Monster Rancher were actually about ranching monster. Yes. You did you play some of this? I played some I of this. You bought this for me, but it kept you like, like it? I, 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 I couldn't really find where to go. Like I and, and also like the, all the my, my guys were falling out of the out of the pits. Out of my the, hungry the guys. cages. All my hungry guys were falling out of the hungry cages. My hungry. That's what they, so that's what they do. So it's just a game about like you collect slimes, you, you breed them together to make weird slimes. You, you, you suck up their plorts after you feed them. You suck up their poop. You sell their poop. You use their poop to make uh, more complicated equipment to explore a larger amount of them. Well, hell yeah. Cool game. Cool game. Um, this was very much the year of fighting games for us, which I like. I really enjoyed. Uh, we played... A good amount of we played some of Tekken um, recently. Um, all the I believe all the DLC. I don't know if they'll have more Tekken DLC. Um, we and, played some Street Fighter Five this year. Uh, Street Fighter Five looking great these days. I had a blast with it all the time we were playing. It is like me too. I don't know why we stopped. Street Fighter Five and Street Fighter Five and Blaze Blue are in great position. Are in great places right now because the rosters are so big. And also yeah. Street Fighter Five does this thing where like you get to pick the V trigger and the V skill. So like the characters at this point feel like they have, you know, like two ways to play the kit and um, different like dreams of like, oh, I want to, you know, wait long enough in this match. And then I get this thing and I do this specific combo or the setup and like do this insane thing. Like the characters are wild in that game. There's such a good, but holy crap. I am so bad at street fighter. Um, I mean, it, it, I don't think, I think you were getting there, but it is a, uh, a different style than than anime you know it's all like slower paced and um uh all like footsies and and like the length of your attacks and stuff like that it, it's it's something that takes some time for 
Um, I played a lot of characters that I didn't like. I, I didn't. I, Minot should be a character that I liked, but I just couldn't make them work. I think, I I think it would have been better. Right. I think it would have been better to play someone who had everything, like more of a Shoto or someone who kind of had all the options where you Towards could... the end, I started playing M. Bison, and that's a character I like. Yeah, M. Bison's pretty cool. He does, and he does have a good thing. Like, I feel like with some of the characters, you, um, I know that, like, Minot is a pretty difficult character and would have to, like, you'd have to, like, know spacing and, like, um, know the cast matchups pretty well and, and have, like, anti-air kind of stuff down. And then, um, with, Ka- with Colleen, I think... She doesn't have a good anti-air, so, like, you were just, like, it was, it's too easy to, like, jump in on her. Because she's someone who should be rushing down, but, like, until you know good rushdown setups and you know how to, like, you know, uh, command the battlefield, I guess. Like, uh, it's kind of difficult to make her work, especially defensively, uh, with people who have been playing that game for hundreds of hours. Um, And we also played Blaze Blue Central Fiction, and I think, like, the one of the big things uh, we said earlier was about uh, rollback. So rollback was added to Blaze Blue Central Fiction, and... This was so exciting for me, specifically. I I was so pumped, because I was actually... I had installed it and was doing trials for the game just because I felt like playing blaze blue and then while it's installed and playing try and i'm like i'm playing through trials and i'm watching ceo and during ceo they just announced that blaze blue is getting uh rollback it was crazy yeah and that is a game changer uh it is so amazing to like get rollback i haven't actually had really big issues with playing online but i don't know if that was just the times i've playing i've tried to play it but multiple times i've tried to play online and gotten these like really bad um uh connection but that cast is massive in blaze blue like blaze blue the the the, like you know uh back of the box thing is like blaze blue is a fighting game where uh you have a drive button which is the character's gimmick and everyone has like a wild gimmick that's like you know kind of placed on that button be it like this is the character this is the button that um makes my uh makes me like invisible or have clones come out this is the button that uh makes my me like poison my enemies and make it so that they're possessed and uh this is the button that magnetizes enemies so that when i try and grab i pull them towards me or this is the button that where when i do damage it uh heals me so like all the characters have their own kind of um archetypes and like kind of one of the major things about their kid is usually built into that drive button and i think uh it's really good it's it's also um had a lot of time in the oven obviously because it's a very old game so they've they've added like things that i've all that i always want like they have good tutorials which are so important um they have a real uh combo trial like they have real good combo challenges which is like one of my favorite things to do and they definitely do a good enough job at like teaching you uh like comfortable bread and butters and and you know uh combos off of different situations or combos that like end in supers and all that kind of stuff is really important it's kind of fun i have like a really enjoyable time um not just like going to youtube and then reading like a long combo trial and then continually because that's like the way it has to work for some games like in in tekken when i'm playing when i'm trying to learn a character i have my phone out and then i have to keep rereading the notation for the combo and then continually doing it and then if i can't get it i have to watch the video but this game has you know like good combo trials that give you some good you know starter combos and stuff like that and um uh, they ease you into it. And they also have trials. They also have like a, a tutorial that explains things about the character. Um, that yeah, explains why, like, what, like what, like what your different buttons would do, which what's your anti-air, what, what is your like pressure button and things like that. Yeah. 
Also, like we mentioned earlier when we were talking about Strive, one of the biggest things about uh, Blaze Blue is that you are rewarded for playing the harder characters. Um, I feel like if you are new to fighting games, you're probably going to like Strive more, especially if you're just going to play like a Gormless character. Like if you just want to like go brain dead and play like a really easy character, Strive, Strive is going to reward you for that. But Blaze Blue is not because after a while in Strive, like you're going to realize people know what's going on with those more complicated characters. And it's easy, like it is easy for people to solve those, those simpler characters after a while. So I, I feel like there's a really good reason in, in Blaze Blue to like experiment with the roster, like, you know, have a couple characters in your pocket, but learn one of like the game will reward you for the time that you invest in it. It's funny because uh, we were, we were playing last night and Galloway said, Blaze Blue is the opposite of a party game. It's a homework game. Yeah. And that's definitely. Absolutely. That is, that game is so dense. All the characters, there's so many buttons. They have a lot of buttons. Yeah. The kits are massive sometimes. Like there's like, there's so many abilities like that. It, it is a wild thing to like incorporate just all of that into one kit and try and keep it all in mind. Like it certainly does take like a mental reset to like, or like a lot of time playing a character to like understand all their options, what situations you should be using them in. Um, it's a phenomenal cast though. Like there's a lot of characters where it's just like, it's just fun to boot up challenge modes and um, see like how characters feel and like different combos. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to keep playing more of that game. There's a ton uh, of stages. The stages look great. You know what? One thing I would say, like, I, I almost wish this game had more patches in the future. Uh, the game is kind of, uh, it, the game looks like it came out a long time ago. And it's it funny because have you seen, like, you know, uh, Blaze Blue Tag recently? Yes. I opened it up and did some combo tricks. Yeah, Blaze Blue Tag, it's it's funny because, like, the Blaze Blue Tag has some of the characters from Blaze Blue, but the, char- the, the sprites look so much cleaner and nicer in that game. And, and so you could also tell that some of the stuff that they did with blaze blue tag, they were testing out for strive um, blaze blue tag. I think this is the first Arxis game with a dash button. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, that it had a dash macro. I was going to say that one of the best things about strive is that they added a macro for dashing. And I wish that that was, always oh, yeah. the case. so, so you're going to love cross tag battle when we play it next year, because it has easy inputs and a dash macro. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it has an insane roster. They released so many goddamn DLC characters. I can't think of a game, uh, of a fighting game that released more DLC characters. I I can't. Really? Uh, It has 25 DLC characters. Nah, I feel like Tekken has a lot of DLC characters and Street Fighter has a ton of DLC characters, man. Hold on, let me see. 25, 28 DLC characters. And then how many characters in uh, in Blaze Blue there is... Uh, there, there was only like a starting roster of 12 or so. And now there's like a massive, huge roster. I think that there's, what is it? 53 characters in, in cross tag battle. There might be 53 characters, but that's 28 is a lot of fucking. Yeah. It's weird that they were releasing it when it, when I feel like that game also like completely died immediately. Another one of those fighting games that like it had shit net code. That was like nine. So not, it's actually, um, 32, I think 32. Yeah, that game largely just, like, the, uh, you, most of the time if you ask, like, oh, why aren't people still playing this fighting game? The answer is almost always, A, it's a fighting game, and um, people don't play those for very long. And then the other answer is, like, B, the the netcode was tremendously bad, and people couldn't play it online. If this came out at the right time, uh, this game would have been really popular. Like, they, they could have held this game, and I, I, I don't know how their sales did with the DLC, 
Like I said, the DLC is more than half of the cast of something like that. I can only imagine how well this game would have done and how many sales they would have made if they just took all of these characters that they had developed, these like 53 characters that are in this game now, and released it at the correct time with rollback. Imagine if Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle was releasing for $60 in 2022 with this roster. And they were just like, this is our new game. It has 53 characters and it's got your favorite Blaze Blue characters. It's got the rollback. It's got the dash macro. It's got the easy inputs. You know, developers don't realize... This would have been our most anticipated fighting game. You know, there's value to, like, you know, dropping um, uh, the rollback netcode and then, like, dropping, like, two more DLC characters or something and then saying, like, this is the the Blaze Blue Cross Tag Ultimate Edition launching now. It's a new game. Blaze Blue Cross Blaze Blue Cross Tag Ultimate Edition is coming sell out right now. Sell it for sixty bucks, yeah. And then just With sell it again, and then have there. the and have people look at it more like, oh, this is a brand new fighting game. This is a year that a lot of people got onboarded with, you know, Strive, and uh, maybe. And more people are like looking at fighting games recently, and maybe this would be a great time to just like release it as a new thing. Yeah, I didn't put Melty Blood on our list, by the way. Do you want to talk about Melty Blood? No. All right. Melty Blood was Melty Blood is is pretty good. Uh, I had a really good time. I ended up going back to it and had a really good time with it. But it's still like the post launch has been really slow, and they really they announced like a horrible lolly DLC character and a pretty cool DLC character. I think both might be free. Um, but but the post launch is not great. The initial roster is still very boring. Um, it's a pretty fun game, uh, but I feel like there are, especially Blaze Blue getting rollback. I don't think Melty Blood has rollback. I want to say that it has delay based netcode, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, um, it's okay. It's good. Maybe Melty Blood will be it better when it has a, when it has like a larger. It does, Mel- yeah, it does have rollback. Melty Blood could be larger when it has a better cast. Could be better when it has a a larger cast, but um. For now, I would say that like it's not that exciting, especially when Blaze Blue has rollback now, and like I'm kind of excited for Blaze Blue Cross Tag, and um, uh, DNF Duel is coming out in the middle of next year. That will be cool. Uh, I played a lot more Dead Cells this year. This is uh, the game that keeps on giving. They've been constantly just adding new stuff to this game, and it's it, the thing that's been cool is they're not just adding like end game areas. They've added some areas. Uh, so I guess I should talk a little bit about what Dead Cells is. Dead Cells is a roguelite Metrovania-inspired action platformer um, where you're going through these procedurally generated levels. Uh, it plays like Castlevania, but it's extremely fast. You hold two weapons um, of, like, you know, uh, they could be a shield. It could be, like, a crossbow. It could be, like, a giant tentacle that spawns out of your arm. Uh, it could be, like, an explosive crossbow. Uh, lots and lots of different weapons. And as you're going through the level in roguelite fashion, you're also uh, permanently unlocking abilities that are going to help you get to new areas in later runs. Uh, Like you might get to an area that uh, you might unlock something that gives you like climbing on walls or uh, you can create vines and that'll let you access new areas. So just to uh, further expand and diversify your run, um, the different enemies that you encounter, there's a ton of different enemies and they all carry blueprints that if you leave a level with a blueprint, uh, you can spend souls to permanently add that weapon to the um, unlockable inventory that you'll get. 
Um, in between levels, you're also choosing perks. Uh, the perks are also blueprints that you're going to be able to find and progress. So as your runs continue, uh, you're finding more and more diverse and expansive arsenals. And there are tons of bosses, tons of like secret bosses and secret levels. And with the expansions that they've introduced uh, over the last couple of years, with the most recent expansion dropping in the first week of January, so that's out now, um, they've, they've really just continued to add to an already very big game. Dead Cells is currently a very, very big game uh, with a lot of run diversity, a lot of different enemies, and a lot of different styles of play. Uh, and I'm still playing it, so you know it's good. Because I play a lot of these games. Yeah. It, we were excited about this game when we saw it in like early access, and it has it has remained a very good game, getting great updates with a great style. Like it's great to look at. Like the movement feels good. It looks good. Like you could even the screenshots of the game. Like the environments are, are so good. love that game. Hell yeah! Also love Phasmophobia. Talked about it a little bit already. They've had some really exciting updates this year. Uh, they've added tons of new ghosts. They've uh, updated the maps. They've updated. Um, they've added a new map, a couple of new maps. I think the the one of the coolest additions this year was the Maple Lodge campsite, so an outdoor map uh, with all of these like string lights. Um, definitely some of the scariest moments this year have been uh, areas are lit up, and the the ghosts now have an ability where they could blow up the light bulbs. And on the Maple Lodge campsite, like it has all these string lights, and just seeing all of the bulbs like shatter at once is like uh, pretty scary. But the latest. Update to the game adds uh, Cursed Possessions, uh, where every time you spawn into a map, there will be a cursed item somewhere, uh, which might be a music box, which will force the ghost to sing uh, so that you can use the music box to uh, find where the ghost is. But if you get too close, it will attack you. Uh, there's like a tarot card deck where every card you draw will have a unique effect. A lot of them will affect your sanity. One of them will instantly kill you. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty risky. Card? It's the hanged man. The death tarot card makes the uh, the ghost hunt you. Um, there's, yeah, they, they added like, there's six of them in total. So there's, it adds some diversity to the runs. And, uh, can make things more exciting at the sacrifice of sanity. All of the cursed items, they cost sanity, uh, which is essentially your health bar in this game. So they cost health to use, uh, but they help you find the ghost and, can force the ghost to interact with you so you can um, collect evidence. Pretty neat. This was a good year for Valorant. Um, when Valorant first came out, there was definitely like, it felt like the, I, I always, I usually talk about this when a, a new game that's going to be a game as a service comes out where it feels like they need to have the cadence kind of uh, go quicker in the beginning because it, it, it could, it felt it, like it could get to places where it was stale. Um, like if you think about the beginning of Valorant it was like, there was only one smoke, pretty much. You could you could play Brimstone or Omen, but it only felt like you could play Omen. Now there's only one. Now there's only one smoke, pretty much. Anyway, but um, uh, it's a, a <laughs> different character. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, so so like it feel like they they released a lot. They they it feels like this is the year where Valorant has enough maps and enough characters that uh, it's it's a little bit less like between patches. It doesn't get as much like oh, things are stale, we're seeing the same things over and over again, and I'm sick of this map. There's enough maps, and we, I remember in the beginning, it would be like, there were so few maps in the beginning that we also, for whatever reason, were having like nights of maps, where it was like, tonight we can only get split, and tonight we can only get bind. Um, it was only ever Haven, though. Yeah, it was, it was really only ever Haven, and like, it could get infuriating. But 
um, they've released some good maps, um, and they've released some great characters, and uh, they had their first, like, major um riot pro stuff and that was phenomenal a lot of the valorant pro games are like my favorite pro games other than like fighting games valorant is my favorite thing to watch right now um for pro video games because usually valorant games look like they're being scripted they're insane sometimes like they a lot of the pro games like look like they have these insane turnarounds and comebacks and like wild 1v5s and reverse clutches and all this kind of stuff um uh so i i I, I thought it was a really good year. They released my favorite character in the game, Chamber. He's so dope. I've talked about him before. He's a gun crafter. He makes a uh, sniper rifle out of thin air and like a pistol out of thin air. He's very cool. Um, he's a really to counter that. They released my least favorite character ever, which is Astra. Um, yeah. I don't like that character's presence in the game. Uh, she not was only really are fun they... at, at first. Um, I think that she's not fun. Um, her ability is that she... Um, can enter an astral state where she leaves her body. All she can do in it is place stars, and she could choose to activate any of those stars uh, to turn them into a smoke, a concussion, or a like vacuum that sucks people in. Gravity will. Um, the problem with her is that uh, she is so dynamic, and her reach is infinite. She can place a smoke from anywhere that goes anywhere and activate it whenever she wants, um, that she has pretty much become the de facto controller. She also has and five of those, and she can also take them away to reuse them, which I think is, like, one of the things that makes her kit have too much power is, like, you can place stars onto one site and make it look like you're going to hit it and just and then decide, like, suddenly, like, no, actually, we have to go somewhere else. We got their utility. And then just pull back the stars and then re-smoke on another site. Like, there's no other character that can do that. That's pretty wild that she has that. Not only does she have, like, some of the best abilities of any of the smokers, um, but she also is able to, like, she has five of those abilities per game. And she gets to use them whatever way she wants. So she could have, like, five smokes. Um, or you could just, like, you know, yeah, set up on a site and pull it, pull it off and, like... Uh, in the way that other characters can't. Like, if Brimstone decides, like, we're going to rush A, and then he smokes off the site, and then your team is like, we lost someone to an op, we need to go rotate somewhere else, Brimstone doesn't have any more smokes. He's, like, out of it. Or Omen has to, like, wait for his smokes to recharge. So I think she'll be she'll be a better addition in the game when she is tuned down. Um, I also think that uh, this is something we haven't really talked that much about, but I this was the year that I, uh, I realized more recently that uh, smoke is a really boring position to play in this game. I used to like like that position a lot, but I think that the thing that has kind of that I've struggled with, or like the thing that makes it not a fun role to come back to time and time again, is that um, generally once you learn the map and you learn like the big angles that people take, and you know the um, like once you learn like the smoke etiquette, like where you should smoke, what how you should use put your smokes so that it like is the most ineffective for, you know, the enemy. It most, like, affects the enemy. Um, once you learn those things, you kind of don't think about it anymore. It's kind of like a um, just set thing of, like, oh, you're attacking this site, you smoke off heaven and this other angle, and that's it. And you just, it, it doesn't make, the, the, the smoking position is not very binary. It is I mean, it's too binary, where, like, if you're going to hit a site and you're going to smoke off, usually you know the angles. Um, and Astra just gives you too much uh the ability to like mess around with that she's just way too strong and i don't find her fun to play if i was gonna play ranked i would play her but in a in a player match 
I want someone who's like less, you know, like I want someone who's a little snappier, like the Astra going into the, the astral form and placing down smokes, um, is a little bit too min max is a little bit too like tedious for me in a player match where it's just like, I just want to have fun and, and like, you know, go quickly. Um, yeah. Like brim, if, if the enemies don't hit my site and I'm brimstone, I can just like start running to the site, pull out my smoke mm -hmm. thing. And then like, while I'm rotating pl uh, place down smokes and with Astra, just, it feels like her kid is like a little bit too slow, but it's also ridiculously strong. So it feels like, you know, you should be playing her every time, but she's just a little bit too tedious to play. Um, so I do hope something that happens with that role to make it a little bit more fun. Galloway had a pretty good um, recommendation, and that was uh, lower the price on all the other controller abilities so that they basically get them every round and that they also become sort of like a money yeah, generator. I, I want Smokes to have an identity, personally. I think it's sure. cool how um Viper. vipers smoke um if you walk through it you take temporary damage that will you, you'll recover that health but if essentially like you don't just like blind peek through it because it puts her in an advantage she just like kills you in two bodies um what i'd really like for omen is i want enemies to be nearsighted for like 0.3 seconds uh when they exit an omen so. i know that's a great idea and it's and it, it would be it would make omen better immediately and it would be the kind of thing where like it add not only does it make him better but it adds to his like his kit and his character of like he already has paranoia so maybe if you want to walk through a smokes smokes you get paranoia um brimstone i i would like to see him have um i think that brimstone should be designed to be like the the old astra like he should be like he should be the smoke master of that game. I, it's weird to me that Omen gets recharging smokes. Brimstone should be the one who gets recharging smokes because he's like the, like he's the Ryu of smoking. Like he's the he is the the Camel Cigarette Joe. Like he should be the one you look to where it's like he just if if you if you need smokes a plenty like he is the smoke guy. Like his the rest of his kid is kind of wonky but he's got the smokes and. Yeah. uh I feel like the other characters could be something. So so maybe if they made... I feel like they could give him, like, more smokes, um, longer range, recharging smokes, and then maybe, like, the smokes are bigger. Like, maybe he could... Also, maybe they should just tune down the controllers in general. What if Astra and Omen didn't have the ability to work globally? Would oh, that yeah. be so bad? Yeah, maybe maybe Astra gets nerfed a little bit. Her stars can't be that far from her or something just to yeah, put or, her in line. Or maybe give it to Omen. Like maybe let Omen be a long-range smoker and that's like his identity. Because what they've done is they've now created a situation where characters that can't like globally smoke, like why would you play them? So they've they've made the the space for design worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's gonna that's only gonna become a bigger problem. I think again, it is like such a boring role, and I think that there's much more that they could do with it. I want that that role to be more interesting and diverse. And it feels like smokes are usually just a figured out role more than other things. Like you might have an argument about like in, in a lot of other cases, like who's the best control, like sentinel or something on this this map or something. Um, but for the most part, it feels like smokes usually just have like this is the de facto smoker for this map. I think. I also think that, like, I wonder if we're closing in on a world where um, there's, like, a uh, unique picks for ranked, you know, where it's, oh, like... Oh, you didn't see what I posted? I mean, you and, posted um, something about a, a riot, uh, a riot-sanctioned tournament that has picks and bans. Um, yeah. I think that, like, those kind of things would be more interesting. Like, are people going to ban Astra and make it so that there's always a brimstone in play, kind of, like... 
And then I don't think we're going to get unique agents, though. I think that both teams will be able to double pick. Okay. And I mean, think about it. They worked it into the lore, right? They did work it into the lore. But uh, yeah, I just I just kind of wish that role a little bit more interesting. That is a floundering role. Um, Otherwise, the game continues to be great. I feel like the new maps have been great. I I really have started to enjoy Fracture a lot. It was a it, it took a long time to get my head over that map because there's so many angles. Um, and it feels so attacker sided, but uh, I feel like times have changed, and I've like kind of enjoyed that map more. Um, Breeze um, uh, is uh, I thought it, I thought I was gonna have more fun with it, and then half the time it ends up just being like uh, a steamroll. But I but recently it we've been having because I I love that aesthetic. Aesthetic is great. Yeah, it's the it's like my favorite looking map. I want a jungle. But I mean, I guess we kind of get like a little bit of that with um with fracture. I think I think bit. well, fracture has the tree and areas that look jungly, and I think breeze also has a lot of green. Yeah. Um. But uh. So was there another map? Icebox uh, fracture or frac frac just fracture and icebox? That's good. Did icebox come out this year? Nah. That came out last year. Um. So yeah, we're in a good. I feel like we're overall the game Listen, is in a good spot. I'm really enjoying a lot of it. I'm excited for next season. Like we'll talk about it next season, <laughs> which yeah. is very soon Tuesday. Um, some other games still uh, want to have a first of all i i will say i still want to have um stat tracking in that game holy shit oh, yeah. and replays what the fuck we're in 2022 and riot's major first person shooter doesn't have stat tracking it doesn't have any sort this of game like, should be auto clipping your moments yeah like if you get an ace the game should save that clip and be like do you want to put this clip on twitter yeah why you know, not like, they should like, have these sort of systems you in place. If, if you have like yeah if you have like a buck wild ash like match mvp it should be like you want to save that game because you looked you look hot in it i mean the other thing is this game still doesn't have per character load uh, yeah that isn't skins. that is still insane we'll see they 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 would sell so many i i feel like i would buy skins if they did that um another some other games we played i i this is more recently so i don't want to like talk a lot about it but uh, uh i've been playing magic the game the gathering arena and rune terra uh i i did just talk about this i think on the most recent podcast um arena launched this really cool thing called alchemy which is um i think it's really cool magic it is very divisive um, but uh, it is a more Hearthstone-y, um, Runeterra-y, like, digital card game take on Magic because up until um, this December, I guess, when Arena launched, or December or November, um, uh, up until recently, um, Arena had to go exactly by uh, Magic card game rules, and there's tons of things that the card game cannot do that digital card games can do. So um, it's, you know, a more, like, digital, wild um, version of Magic um, and I think it's Hockey. fun. I think it's fun, but also the the Magic the Gathering Arena um, client is terrible, and also there's no real like a, the economy for it is terrible, and there's no way to dust it. So if they you know balance cards, then you kind of just are shit out of luck. And Runeterra is fantastic. Uh, Runeterra continues to uh, make more things, and I specifically played a ton of Runeterra: The Lab, um, The Path of Champions, which is a roguelike uh card game for runeterra where you take a champion into a set of branching paths and you get rewards for every fight um and if you die then in the path then you have to redo the whole thing um and you can even like it's it gets so fun like by the end of some of the runs you're just like sometimes you're just like broken as hell you have like you know your champion costs two less mana it has like Doran, it has a giant's uh, belt on it where it's got two extra health and more attack and it's it's got spell shield and all this kind of and it just like it completely breaks the game and it's just so fun it's a really cool mode um so if anyone is interested in card games it's a good time for card games i think uh 
despite all its flaws, Arena is fantastic, and Magic is still, um, like, you know, one of the greatest card games of all time, and uh, Runeterra is continuing yeah. on strongly. Next week, uh, so this has been, I don't even know how long, five hours, maybe longer. Yes. Podcasts. Uh, next week, we're going to return with I, categories. I like woke up today at like two-ish, and uh, we started podcasting. Wow, that's crazy. I know. I was up late watching The Witcher. Um, oh, wow. Uh, and uh, we started podcasting around three, and we did take a pl- break to play Valorant, but also it's like 11 o'clock now. We started at three. So, yeah, we've got next week, we're going to go over best roguelite, best Pokemon game, game we wish we played more, best ongoing game, uh, games we wish were better, best RPG, most unique slash weird, best looking, best Riot release, fighting game of 2021, and then the uh, James and Ryan picks of the... Well, hell yeah. That was a lot. When is Giant Bomb doing? ADGQ is is on right now. Uh, I'm going to try and get a lot of this podcast up, but it's probably over. Um, uh, I'm going to get this podcast up as soon as I can because uh, I'm got to got to keep it. Got to, it's already past game of the year, so you know yeah. we got to we got to get moving. And we got to do we're doing predictions sometime soon. So I, the week after we do our um, the week after we do we were our, right on some of them. It was fun. I bet we were wrong on others, and some of them I'm disappointed about because it seemed like they should have happened. Take us away. WTDGpodcast.com. That's where it lives. Uh, you know what to do with games, <laughs> whatever you on like the. Uh, on like the Spotify, the iTunes music, anywhere you can RSS feed. Uh, make sure you got Last FM running when you listen to our podcast. You got to get Scrabble. Scrabble podcast. You got to scrabble it. Uh, top Scrabblers, uh, they're going to get called out on next week's show. Uh, so make sure you're scrabbling. Speaking of scrabbling, you got to scrabble Bumper. You got to scrabble Ryan Galloway. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. Pop songs 2020. And if you love that pop song flavor, did that come yeah. in 2020? Just, and it's 2022 wow. now. Wow, you're so right. And if you love that bumper flavor, a game that we didn't talk about and we didn't play this year was Sable. Uh, Could be a 2022, 21 of the game. Japanese Breakfast did the music for that, and she you know watched. she is she is one half of Bumper. You hear her. So. You've already heard her. You've heard her in the intro, and you're about to hear her now in the outro. So you may as well. Uh, Hell yeah, I really want to try that game. It's all right. I mean, it's got, it looks like uh, the best pod racing game of the year. Thanks, Ryan. Take it sleazy, James, and I can finally, you know. You uh, get it now? Yes. <laughs> I've been saying it you know, forever. Uh, okay, so so this is the year. I am watching The Good Place, and I feel like of the things that you're like always annoyed that like I won't do, where it's just like, just please watch this show. I think you would like it, and I love it so much. Um, I'm finally getting to it. 2021 the end of 2021 and 2022 is the year that i'm i'm getting to you know that's exciting 2022 the year we get to it the year we get to i'm getting to it it's like get off my fucking back i'm getting there <laughs> jeremy Barramy. it's all i've already i've already finished the good place i haven't but in in another you know because of the way that time works i've already finished it i know these references now Take it sleazy is what the Michael says. Exactly. Thank you, James. I have to thank you, Ryan. I have to send you this sketch. Is it from? Uh, it's an SNL sketch. It's. I don't know if you're familiar with like the My Hungry Guys thing. Yes, I, I've seen all the My Hungry Guys. You've seen the. You saw the the one where uh, the Totinos. It's all fumble. about Totinos. Yeah. Yeah. And then they keep going. I'm surprised fumble. you've seen it. And then she has. There's also one where she has like a uh, girls toy yeah, kit. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. And then there's the one where she um. Uh, they get increasingly apocalyptic. Yeah. 
with she falls in love with another man's wife while they're yeah. trying to make Totinos. Or like a sister or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love that. I love the one where they keep saying, go, 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 fumble. A rare hit for SNL. Yeah. But they got the Chad, so so there you go. Take it sleazy one last time, Jame. Maybe one this last isn't... time. We don't know if it's one last time. Time is shaped like uh, the curse of writing of Jeremy Barrowman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>